0: Yo, what's up, guys and gals? I need a little bit of help from you. Uh, our good friend tonight, Donna Jean Jones, is a former gymnast, and uh, you'll hear tonight on the show she talks a little bit about a uh, foundation called Don Gina Riser gymnast- Gymnastics Foundation. And uh, Donna Jean goes out to uh, Namibia. Namibia, I always mess that up. And uh, goes out there once a month mu- or once a year for about a month and volunteers and helps these African children. Uh, and helps them in gymnastics and coaching and choreography and all sorts of really great stuff and uh, a good friend of hers, Don Gina Riser, started a gymnastics foundation to help these kids in Namibia to uh, get more going on. They have a lot of limited resources when it comes to equipment, when it comes to facilities, when it comes to training, but they have a huge desire and a huge heart for gymnastics. So help them out. You can actually go to the Don Gina Riser Gymnastics Foundation page on Facebook. D O N G I N A Riser. R-I-S-S-E-R. Don Gina Riser Gymnastics Foundation. Check them out on Facebook. You can check it out in the show notes. You know we're going to have a link there. Uh, give them a look. Give them a donation. You can actually go to their Facebook page right now, and you can send uh, contact us, and you'll be able to get a hold of them or send them a message and tell them you want to donate, you want to support a kid. You can even go as far as actually adopting a gymnast, and it's $450 a year, and you adopt them and you pay for their gymnastics uh training and education for that year so give them a check whether you adopt a gymnast whether you're given ten dollars let's show them love let's show them what skydivers are all about and let's spread that that passion that love that Donna Jean actually shows to them as well. Donna Jean is is such an an inspirational lady. We'll talk more about her in a second. Tonight's Gravity Lab is also brought to you by Infinity, or Velocity Sports Equipment, maker of the Infinity Rigs. Infinity Rigs, you've heard about it, you know it. My favorite rig, by far super comfortable. Those leg straps are one of the reasons. Number one, they're really wide, wider leg straps greater displacement, you're sitting on a nice wide uh, pad. Also, they have a nice shape contour. It curves so it wraps around your leg. It fits it perfectly. It shapes it just right. And that inside seam is inside out. There is no binding tape exposed on the inside edge. So as it sits up on the inside of your thigh, it sits up inside your crotch, you're going to find it a lot more comfortable. And remember, whenever you order an Infinity Rig, in special instructions, mention Gravity Lab Radio or if you're talking to the man Blake himself, you can uh, do that through email. VSC at VelocityRigs.com uh, Mention Gravity Lab Radio And they will give you a free mesh back pad upgrade It is summertime, it gets warm That allows you to breathe It is so nice, so comfy Give it a check Guys and gals, tonight Donna Jean Jones joins us Donna Jean, I first met at Skydive Spaceland She is a phenomenal free flyer the first thing that stood out to me when she walked by was that super bright jumpsuit. It's only paled uh, in comparison by that smile. She is always smiling. She's always grinning. She represents an event called Live Bigs. You'll hear more about it, but guys and gals, check it out. Meet one of the more vibrant personalities I've ever known, a super diverse lady. You hear the word renaissance man. To me, this is a renaissance woman. Love her. I hope you guys enjoyed as much as we do. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting. Almost, <laughs> so. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. talk.
1: give me two. Ah.
0: You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lodge. So
2: Have perfect. we talked about skydiving the whole time? No. Killing me softly with his words. Mm,
1: That's like that. uh, food, one time. Food, 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 two not food, times. food no, Fugees. Fuji's. I, knew, I
0: Apples, knew it started with an F. spider, something like that. Gentlemen and lady. Hey. Donna Jean hey. Jones. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well, thank you.
0: Awesome. Uh, guys and gals, today we have with us uh, somebody who, the first time I met you, the first time I saw you, I don't know what was brighter, your smile or your jumpsuit. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. You stand on a drop zone from the day I met you because you have probably one of the biggest smi- smiles I've ever seen in skydiving. That yes. was a
2: that was a really good line. You practiced that, didn't you? I
0: did not, <laughs> but if you read the description of the show, it actually is part of the description. It totally says that. So it, it does. So Donna Jean, uh, you've been skydiving for, uh, we just found out, since 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what are you doing here in Houston? What are you in town for?
1: Uh, we come down, it's uh, kind of double whammy because we're doing the Project 19 for the ladies world record next year. So we're doing events within events and we normally do the bigs events and they come, we, we decided to come down to SpaceLand and invade with our crew. And we have small groups, big groups, but, um, this was just about 24 people came from around the world. And, um, yeah, we just come down and hang out and jump and do sequentials.
2: Well, I will say that the invasion is always welcome. Mm-hmm. We're it's always happy when you guys are in town, mm-hmm. and I'm always happy when I get to to take part. For uh, I'm sure we have uh, listeners who don't know what Live Biggs is all about. Do, do you want to talk about the history of that a little bit?
1: The history, of, uh, in a nutshell, because it's kind of hard to put it in a nutshell. Here, let's
2: start. So Live Biggs, yeah. it's uh, big way sequential stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all all free fly stuff. Yes, unless we have like a token belly jump thrown in there.
1: Hey, standing up. Mikey Knight would always tell you belly jumps are all part of the sequential world. I've definitely done.
2: I've done one or two. Yes, but uh, for the most part, people travel in from all over and do uh, pretty high level, organized uh, vertical sequential jumps. Yes, so that's what the event looks like on the outside. mm -hmm. Where did that all start?
1: It's I my first drop zone. Well, my home drop zone was Lodi at the Parachute Center. And um, when I first walked on, they had Mikey Knight and Max Bill Halsey and Robbie Bigley, along with David Gershfeld and some other characters. And they would invite 16 to 18 people from around the world that were just amazing flyers. And they called it Lodi Sequentials. And it was just top-notch invite only. And um, in 2009, we lost Robbie Bigley to a crew accident, a canopy wrap, and um, 13 days after he was married, and um, we were all there in attendance at the wedding, and we were all in paraclete when we had the news of his death, and his smile would shadow mine. That's, if that gives you any comparison, he was an amazing soul, intelligent happy, would jump with anybody on the drop zone. New, old, 100 jumps, 5,000 jumps. He was always willing to bring his light to the world in whatever manner. So after he passed away, being one of our best friends, we decided to have the bigs love and continue it, not just carry it in our hearts, but share it with everyone in the world. So we have... We have our little green bracelets with the Live Bigs, and as people go through, it's been 10 years now that he's passed, and um, we continue to keep his love alive and his spirit, and the Live Bigs events, it's not about being the best flyer in the world ever, and we all know that. It's about being a great person and wanting to share your passion with the sport, and so we embrace that. So not everybody is a top-notch flyer, but we manage to make it work because everybody is accepting of that. And that's kind of the, that's exactly what we want it to be, is that we just want it to be something where we share the love of something that is so important to us.
2: And in, in these events, it's not uncommon to hear you referred to as uh, Mama Donna. Yes. Do you, yes. Uh, do you feel like... Some of us are your pestering children.
1: It's never pestering. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely, like I'll send, my funniest story probably ever about Live Biggs is I come up with all, I'm very organized. I come from an engineering background. So I would send out emails with a lot of information, which airport to fly into, which hotel to stay, when we would start, what to expect, how many jumps we would do. And at one point, Dusty Hanks looked at me because he said, well, which airport do we fly into? And I'm like, Dusty, I sent you guys the email he said mama donna there were a lot of words (laughs) 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 i was like okay next time i'm just gonna bullet point it and we're gonna make it a much easier for everybody but no they let me kind of herd the cats and get them here and of course skydive spaceland family stevie boyd senior and junior and nicole have been open arms since the first time you know we came down to the drop zone and the first time i met stevie was in paraclete and um had no idea who he was. So, yes, everything kind of, the whole Mama Donna thing is just me organizing that whether it was Live Bigs or Undercover Ninjas or whatever the guys want to do, they knew I could make it happen. And that's what I, I love because it's my family. It's my chosen family, for sure, the Sky family.
0: You're kind of forced with the people you're born with, the people you choose. And, and it is. I love my sister to death. She's actually probably our number one fan. Love you, Debbie. Yeah, yeah. And actually, Nick and her, I don't know what's going on between him and my sister. But we, we don't not choose romantic. It's romantic. It's just love. Yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> uh, but yes, absolutely. These are the people I love. These are the people I choose as a family. And I love hearing more of the story of Robbie because... Mm. I will tell you right now, you have done what you guys have set out to do when it's when you talk about carrying on his name because I had no clue who Robbie really was. I know of Lodi Sequentials, been jumping for a long time. Mm-hmm. When I heard we were going to have the Lodi Sequential crew out here, I'm like, no shit, <laughs> this is going to be off the hook. And you guys impressed me way more than I ever thought you could because of what you already said. Everybody showed up with the most humble, humble, Caring, appreciative, loving, and respectful attitude. And I'm like, this is not, I expected good things, but yeah. this is above and beyond. And you guys have carried on his name with such honor. And and for me and, and people like me, I actually made it a point to learn more about Robbie and more about why you guys call it Live Bigs. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, if you have any more of those little bracelets i would wear one with pride i absolutely would so there
1: you go it's coming your way thank you very much there no, you go. This is,
0: i don't wear things very often but things like this one of the things that i, I struggle with sometimes is i'm like a dad <laughs> at the drop zone sometimes and i i get what nick says to me sometimes they're pestering kids and i have to remember no they're kids who adore and respect you <laughs> And something like this would be a reminder for me to smile and treat them the way I see you treat people, Donna. You really, <laughs> as I see you on DZ, you're an inspiration to people. One of the reasons I wanted you to be oh, on the show. <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh, you're welcome. It's uh, it's cool to see you guys come out here. And, and one of the things you guys do with Live Bigs is you promote and propagate personality more than anything else. But God dang, you guys choreographed some dope <laughs> skydives.
1: Yeah, those guys have some great skills. I think Mikey's got, Mikey Knight has about twenty thousand jumps, maybe more. Mm-hmm. I think MX came in with like eleven thousand. Mikey Carpenter, again, I think I'm sure he's got a boatload. And then you've got, you know, Devin and Ben Rowan and Cody Moffitt. And it goes on and on and on with the people that want to be involved and that are part of their family. So the skill level for me, I was super lucky. I didn't know how lucky I was when I Started jumping in Lodi. I just figured I just want to learn how to base jump. I was a rock climber at the time. I just want to learn how to base jump, so I got to learn how to skydive. And then I walked onto a drop zone that was a gold mine in reality because mm-hmm. they MX wouldn't let me leave the drop zone and do a boogie or an event until. I had to. He made sure I knew how to exit a plane. He knew sure I, he made sure I knew how to track and how to exit a formation, 180, all the important basics. And then when I had to do my first camp for the first ladies world record I did, um, I only had like 380 jumps. So I was really nervous. But again, the ladies at the event that were coordinated, Amy and Sarah and Melissa, they were very patient with me. But the basics that I learned by jumping with people like Robbie and, and MX, I was very fortunate, but they made me earn it, believe me. I just wasn't walking into that situation, and it definitely was a lot of work.
0: I want to pay a little respect right now because so many people hear the name Lodi, and they'll talk a little bit of trash. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been there, and I actually don't—I uh, I forget what year I was there, but Erica, I remember Erica and Rob? Mm-hmm. They had me out there to run an AFF course, and I went out there and I had some questions in my mind because Lodi has a reputation. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you just said, I want people to understand the community of skydivers at Lodi were so safety minded, we're mm-hmm. so respectful. And so, so, anything you hear about Lodi, do whatever you do, go witness it for yourself, go visit mm-hmm. the people yourself. And no doubt there were people there. I actually, um, Oh, what's her name? Soria, uh, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. I did her AF, of course. So okay. I'll tell you what time frame I was there. Right. At. Yeah. Casper, her, uh, I forget the other guy's names. But it was <laughs> it was a good time. And back to it, respect to a lot of those jumpers at Lodi. Yeah. The, your crew and the people like them. I've known TJ for years. And of course, mm-hmm. I saw TJ every time I was there. And oh, of course. Yeah, him and I know each other longer than I want to admit. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> a lot of respect to the history. And, and guys, if you hear trash about Lodi, right there. Your mentors at lodi wouldn 't let you do things till you had what oh kind no of
1: no I was the funny story is is I think it was maybe six weeks into jumping, and mX had done my video, and if anyone doesn 't know mX has been my my better half for twelve years, and I met him because he was my video guy on my AFF course Mikey Knight did my AFF course. And it was about six weeks into the process of being in Lodi, I was living out of my van. I was going back and forth to Yosemite, climbing and then coming back to the drop zone and getting my jumps in. And um, finally, six weeks later, you know, he was asking me out and he was 26. Okay, MX is a lot younger than I am. And I was like, oh, I don't think so. He's way too cute. (laughs) <laughs> like, he's, I'm sure he's a player. And um, the funny thing is, people are like, no, nah, he doesn't really, never had a girlfriend that, you know, that is, we really know about. So I went out on a date with him, and he ended up being my boyfriend. And um, I don't think I jumped on a sequentials. I think it was two and a half years. Like, they weren't just going to let me in just because I was sleeping with the organizer. <laughs> they really made me earn it, and the... The last sequential that Robbie did right before he died, he gave me the thumbs up, Mikey Knight gave me the thumbs up, and MX gave me the thumbs down. Oh, no. I I was like, what? (laughs) What just happened? So I did not jump that sequential, the very last sequential that they did, but the next one after that. But yeah, I, so I tell people that feel kind of entitled sometimes, I'm like, you, we had to earn everything we did, and we went to the tunnel, and we formed the first like all-women's four-way VFS team at the time, and we got a sponsorship through iFly at San Francisco Tunnel when it opened in 2007. And I would literally, I told people, I'd go on the net, I'd get on my head, I'd come off the net, and then all the other girls would come in, and we would turn four-way points. And they would give us an hour a week, and then we bought 10 hours. And that Like, I'm a tunnel rat, obviously, because my jump numbers are much lower than most people. But, yeah, the whole scheme of, you know, getting involved with those type of people, I had to work my butt off. I flew in the tunnel, and I did as many jumps as I possibly could when you still have a full-time job, too, which always makes it difficult. So that was a long story and a long tangent, but it gives you a little history.
2: Tangents are fully (laughs) allowed. And actually, uh, we were having a conversation at dinner the other night where um, we, we... I've had the conversation on the show a few times of encouraging new jumpers to do a four-way belly team because of the the group skills and the fundamental skydiving skills that it that it instills in you, and we kind of had a similar conversation about uh, sequential skydiving and big way skydiving and uh, four-way VFS in the in mm-hmm. the tunnel, and I wasn't surprised to learn that uh, that was the same way that that you learned.
1: Yes, absolutely. how did that
2: team come together for you guys?
1: Um, we were all out at the drop zone. And it was Stephanie Soria. It was it was some Katie Hill, you know, Kate. There were some girls that were just kind of in the vicinity that were more than willing to be involved. And then Amiko was the manager at the tunnel. And so she jumped in and um, did the team with us. And then we had, like, Chris Reynolds at the time, you know, as our instructor. And he's an amazing tunnel instructor. And his patience and the amount of time I spent with him just to learn all the basics before you can get onto your head and then the transitions and those sort of things definitely helped in the sky. Um, when you're, again, the jump numbers are low and you want to do things that people are doing with 10 or 20,000 jumps. So the tunnel at the time, and that's what I to- I did tell the women at last night, they were asking how, you know, how am I going to get on this work record? It's a hundred way next year and like four way VFS in the tunnel static, like learning how to work through verbal and movement and people in and out in your space. And that's what big ways are about too. The dynamic is great and fun for a lot of people, but it doesn't necessarily transfer into some of the big way formations that we need. So the four-way VFS is a great Cheater's method, as I say, if you're going to put time in the tunnel, that's Gosh, I don't think you it's there.
2: cheating. I think it's a ton of fun, and I think it's, it's genuine learning, right? It is and absolute it, learning. Maybe it's it's the fast lane, but yeah. you're getting the split tunnel time between three other people, yeah, three other people that are on their head who have already invested some some of their own money that, that you know that they have some some serious interest in it, yeah. And uh, the the skill set just transfers so well to, to skydiving. Absolutely. I think I'd be a terrible skydiver without it.
1: <laughs> I agree.
0: I hear people talk all the time. I think it applies to anything. AFF course. I want to be an AFF instructor. Four-way. Why? Because you have to constantly, constantly, constantly fly. Mm Eight-way. You're sitting there waiting on people. You're not always flying. Those four-way groups, doesn't matter. Vertical, horizontal, it, it doesn't matter. It makes you work so much. It is one of the most high paced things. And and I like the way you refer to it as fast lane. It puts people flying faster, flying more. You actually in VFS or regular belly FS, you have to learn to read your partners well. And now you're in a big way and you can see that motion coming across the formation because you saw that dude move in a way. Mm -hmm. So it is absolutely just such a strong thing. And you know, Nick, you kind of inferred it. It's so awesome. All of our guests seem to keep coming back to these same fundamentals. So many of you young jumpers talk about how can I get there, and you're in such a rush. But we've had so many greats, and Donna, absolutely, I put you among some of these greats. And it's, it's your humility is part of what makes you there. Uh, they all come back to these same ideas of fundamentals, fundamentals, mm-hmm. fundamentals. Uh, one of the things you mentioned a little bit ago is undercover ninjas, and that's where you mm-hmm. first met Stevie. And and mm. it's odd to hear you call him Stevie because that's how I know him as well. Yeah. But a lot of people know him as Steven. So if guys <laughs> if you hear us on the show say Stevie, that is is what we've known him as for many many years. Um, as he's grown up, he goes by both still. He does, he's never offended. We call him Stevie still. Uh, what was and what is undercover ninjas? Are you guys still around? I mean, I can't tell you're undercover.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> We're, you never know where we're going to be. Where'd they go? No. Um, that was, I think MX always tells the story the best. I think um, at one point they were at a record, maybe the 138 way. I think we were there uh, maybe... They were doing some jumps, and of course, you know, everybody wants to jump with you because there's 138 people there, and we all know each other, and so those guys are sort of, I think they were kind of on the down low, and so they wanted to do something, you know, in particular, so it was like uh, undercover, and so... I think that was kind of how it came about, and then they were putting some, you know, just rad jumps together at Skydive Chicago, and of course, I think they did the world record butt flying, maybe at that event oh, too. Is that where that video that's, came from? That's pretty much I think where that's that video came amazing. from. I, I did not qualify for that. So, <laughs> so You're
2: too strong with your feet uh, to qualify yeah, for oh the no, butt Oh no,
1: absolutely not. <laughs> Probably wasn't good enough to make it on the butt fly. So. Yeah, they came up with that fun little name, and then it sort of stuck. And then we were doing a lot of tunnel events at the time, definitely going out to Paraclete and um, Seattle. We knew Lisa up there in Seattle, and then you know Lauren Thacker and her whole crew out there in the paraclete realm, and um, we were just loving it. The 16 footer, I mean, how you how can you not love that when you have 10 people and you're flipping everything under the sun? And so yeah, we would just put these events together, and the Undercover Ninjas is kind of a cute name, right? It was kind of fun for the boys. That's a badass name. It's fine, I guess. And you know, put it on a t-shirt and put it on your yeah, they gave us. I mean, they wrapped our helmets. They put them on our jumpsuits, and so yeah, it was, it was, it was cute. It was super fun. But yeah, still, I think some of the guys still use it, and it's not that it doesn't exist. But all of a sudden, you know, when people kind of grow into different directions, they're all the Rowans and Cody, and everybody's got their own little path now. So it's kind of fun for them.
0: You mentioned Cody earlier. Cody mm-hmm. who?
1: Cody Moffat from okay. Canada. In There's Calgary. a lot
0: of Cody's around. Oh, here. sorry. Yeah yeah, 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 you're right.
1: Cody Eworth, and yeah, we got a few.
0: Yeah, we. I just met Cody. Hillier, Hillier. Mm, um, he's a San Diego boy. Uh, mm-hmm. Organizes out in Paris and a tunnel instructor out there somewhere. So. I, I think you'd recognize Cody Moffat. He's been up for, here for quite a few of the Live Bigs events.
1: He's here this weekend.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, they yeah. showed up last night. Mm, right? Yep. Chances are, will almost any time Live Bigs comes out, we I, I just can't help but watch you guys. <laughs> Partially, you mentioned at some point earlier, Mikey Carpenter in, in engineering. Mm-hmm. And I sat there in the packing room one day and watched him engineer a skydive. And A, watching what he put together, and B, watching him, like, wrap his mind about, he's like, so we're going to, hold on a second, yeah, we're going to do this now. (laughs) And then
2: you guys are going, and we're like... I love that's a, I, I love being organized by, by you yeah. and, and Mikey and MX. I just see the the reverse engineering in your brain of when you see someone flip down, like, oh, no, now that person needs to be over here. We juggle these things around. And I try and steal as much of it as I can <laughs> so I can have fun jumps when you guys leave. But, man, it's, it's super neat to see the, the way that your brain works.
1: It's hard. People don't understand. And sometimes when you start to organize a bunch of people you don't know very well, you do have to... Because the the art of it is not just engineering the skydive, but putting the people in the right place to make it mm-hmm. successful. And it does take some time when you're sitting there and you're thinking. And sometimes people, like, suggest something. And you're like, no, no, I'm just thinking. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out. And some people put themselves in a place that they're uncomfortable in, and then they communicate. And so, yeah, watching, like... Carpenter and MX and Mikey Knights. Well, you know, his motivational speeches that he gives when he gets so worked up and so excited about it. It's just when things work, it's because everybody works as a team. And that's the best thing. Like we've had people in the past that just maybe just didn't fit because it just it's not just about you it's about like a 53-way or whatever we were doing, 33-ways and 57-way sequential jumps. And now Matt Fry and Melissa have taken that to another level. And they're like Constantine, and they're so psyched about it that next year they're talking about like 2.80 ways. And I think I'm kind of dragging Mikey Knight back in. I think he's coming in September for our event September 28th. So I'm really excited. You know, he had his kid five months ago, and... We're going to get him excited about it again because we definitely don't want to lose that history. He's, he's still so passionate about it.
2: He's one of my favorites. I, I love the way that he, not that he's a, he's just really assertive in a way that fits really well. Like that you, he talks to you in a way that like, I don't want to question his authority one bit. But uh, so you are someone who I, I've heard give really good advice about how to stay, how, how people should behave in a dirt dive? Mm. Do you want to share any, any of that?
1: You mean as participants? Yeah, so I'm, I'm being organized. Right.
2: How What should I be doing?
1: Well, first you have to pay attention. Perfect. And You,
2: <laughs> you mean I shouldn't be having a side <laughs> conversation with my buddy the whole time? Maybe not well, While you're talking and you're trying to address <laughs> the person next to me?
1: No, it's just, it's fun, but people, there is a lot that goes into it. And what's really important, and I think what... I take from Mikey and MX especially and Robbie back in the day is everything from the time you're in the plane, you know, from what you have to do with your visualization and the exits and how important it is to be quick to the door and then work together as a team and then everybody's going, okay, ready, set, go, out the door and then you're flying. And all the way from the time you're in the plane to the ground, every second of that you have to be a team and you have to work together. And I just see sometimes people just mind wander. And the more you focus and repetition is everything because you really can only think about one thing on the plane. You're really not going to take in five or six different things. So if you're just going to think, I got to get on level, That's all I'm going to think about, and if Donna's going to be squeezing my hand the whole time in the base, so that I get on level with her, that's what I'm going to do. So I really try to stress that with people. But um, there's just a lot that goes into it, and and especially at world records. And I think sometimes I feel like we lose that at some of the events. I see, you know, when people are on oxygen or people are at 13 grand and we're going to 20 grand, they have to learn to chill out and they have to embrace everything about. Travis Finagi is the best about that. He's on a plane and he's like once 13 grand hits, you're just you're done with everybody around you. And you're focusing on just what your job is to make that team work and to make that record work. And don't forget, there's a great story. Norman did that video about Norman and myself being on that plane the record the 164 way and so many people only the 24 people maybe that were in that plane really know that story and I know he kind of brought it up in the video but it's a fabulous story about plane and etiquette and and just making sure everybody's working together so
2: What, what do you look for for people who are doing it right in the airplane what would you say that etiquette looks like
1: you really just have to calm down at a certain point. You get, I get really excited. I'm in there and I'm clapping as we're taking off and, you know, looking around and high-fiving people. And, you know, as an organizer, you don't want to stress people out because sometimes people are like, you just got to relax. I remember with Javier and MX one time, they're they just like, you're overthinking it. Stop. You know, which foot do I take off on or where do I go? Mm-hmm. Just you can take one thing in. And in a plane, for example, and then that, that's really, that is it. I mean, you've done everything on the ground. That's why you dirt dive. Repetition is everything. And just coming from a gymnastics background, the mental visualization is super important, too. So just getting all that together, calming yourself down before you get out. Because every time it's serious, you are exiting a plane at 13 or 15 or 18 or 20,000 feet. It's a serious deal for all of us from the time we leave the plane to the time we hit the ground. We want to be safe.
2: Are there any um, key points that you think about when you're visualizing a jump?
1: I, as in gymnastics, we were always taught to visualize it perfectly. And if you couldn't, you needed to start over and think it over again. And that flow that you have in a gymnastics routine is pretty short. Uh, except for you know maybe floor, which is about a minute thirty, but in reality you're not that long in a skydive. So you're just visualizing colors and rigs and and things to kind of jog your memory because you're like, am I on the wrong side of the formation? Did I not trust coming in on my quadrant? You know all those things that you start to say that, and some people are like. Those are the mechanics that we're hoping with Project 19, for example, to bring to the girls that have low jump numbers and that are doing a lot of tunnel and that need to translate to be actually successful in a 100-way. Because as MX told me as I went into my first big one, the 138-way, we'd done some with the women, but they were all sub-100. And he's like, if you can do a 42-way, you can do an 80-way, you can do 120 or 140 or 160-way. It's all the same mechanics. You just The basics are all there, and, and you have to make sure you just... Take it to another level and be disciplined. And that's gymnastics taught me that for sure. Discipline is everything, but it's hard because you get excited. Mm -hmm. So I just try to, yeah, your heart. No, not too much Red Bull.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you visualize, do you uh, visualize from a first-person perspective? Do you ever visualize from like, an, like a third-person perspective of what you're going to see?
1: No, just usually my job, getting out there, what I'm doing as far as everything and looking for key, someone's going to key me. Because a lot of times people will be a key and they'll forget <laughs> just that, because they haven't reminded themselves. I
2: actually wanted to bring that up when you were talking about uh, how you can only think of really one thing and in, in one of our dirt dives this week i was responsible for giving you a thumbs up when the rest of the the <laughs> yeah. jump had built and even that on the ground in the dirt dive of remembering oh yeah i need to just stick my stupid thumb up like that's a that puts a bigger mental challenge on that whole jump <laughs> and so that that that's what makes me more curious about organizing is I, I know how many things i can keep in my brain on a given skydive mm. and i know that as an organizer you're you're having to keep track of quite a few more than me
1: yeah, but it's all, I mean, again, everybody has their job. And sometimes on the plane, I will I can tell, like, we had Ray with us this time, and he was so great. Ray mm-hmm. Duarte, I think that's his Duarte, last name. Yeah, gotcha. I love him. Like, his smile. So I had him in the base across from me. And then at one point, he was, you know, he had to, like, shake his head. And so in the plane, I thought, you know, just one reminder, because I knew how excited he gets. I'm like, yeah. Ray, don't forget, you're my key. Oh, okay. <laughs> Give me the thumbs up. And sure enough, he absolutely was on board with that but just sometimes in the plane if you want to give them like you just can't overload people with information in the Mm -hmm. plane because then they just start to freak out
2: (laughs) you uh, you're someone that talks a lot in free fall Mm -hmm. do you do you feel like (laughs) that uh, that helps your thought process on a skydive
1: um i don't know i guess it's just me with my thoughts and Sometimes. But it
2: keeps your thoughts clear, right? When you keep saying them out loud, you got to make sense of what's going on.
1: Sometimes it does. Like I judge gymnastics and we do a shorthand. It's a universal shorthand. And it basically translates if I'm judging in other countries and someone doesn't speak the same language that I do, we can all look at the shorthand and understand the routine because it's not in a language, it's in a shorthand. So if bars, for example, the uneven parallel bars, you watch the Olympics, it goes pretty quickly, and it's it's my favorite event, and it's the event that most people are afraid to judge because it goes so quick, because your mind has to be super sharp, so to learn that shorthand, sometimes you speak, kip, cast handstand, clear hip, full pirouette to and then you'll talk yourself through it as you're practicing because you have to practice just like anything else repetition so yeah. i think sometimes that translates over into the skydiving when i'm i'll be like okay i'm looking for pink or i just i don't know i like to talk to myself anyway so I
0: guess. <laughs> in coaching I, I run a lot of coach courses one of the things we talk about is pavlonian response pa- pavlov's dog ring the bell the dog would eat yep. Uh, and, and we talk about in training, keywords. words. For me, I use it a lot, Q words. I just say keywords. words. I, I, I internalize my Q words. You won't see me moving my mouth much to it, but those keywords words hit, and I immediately think, I have to do this. I have to do that. Uh, I have the same process, and I think it, it's matching. That keyword word matches Five, 10, 15 actions. So yep. I can use in one word a whole skill set. And and for example, as an organizer, I organize an AFF training course. I know this keyword means these three guys are going to do these things. Mm-hmm. This keyword means they're going to do this now. This keyword means they're going to do this now. So I think you're just simplifying that complex thing as an organizer. That just as a guess. Absolutely. Guest. I, Jim, uh, this background, we, we're, we're going to talk about this at some point, but oh my God. I saw a picture of you recently doing a handstand on a rock on the edge of a cliff that I thought this crazy lady is going to kill herself. And I found out very quickly, you're a gymnast. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, doing research for this show is one of my favorite (laughs) things because I got to get pictures of you off Facebook. Right. And your mother recently posted a picture of you as a young lady <laughs> doing a handstand on a, mm-hmm. I think it was a pommel horse, maybe?
1: The balance beam. beam? Yeah, in college.
0: Like, yeah, OVC or something came to my brain. Is, there's some letters, and it's probably the letters you're talking about right mm-hmm. now. How long, I mean, what's your gymnastic background?
1: Um, again, in a nutshell, I uh, started when I was in third grade, and then it carried me through high school. I was up for a full-ride scholarship in gymnastics to Montana State University, which had a great engineering program. And getting full-ride scholarships to Division one schools is, was difficult back in the 80s and is still inc- incredibly difficult. Um, and I had broken my foot after the state meet Before the state meet? Before the state meet, my senior year in high school. So I kind of had my eye. I went out to Montana for my 48-hour NCAA visit and fell in love with Montana, like the Bridger Mountains and just the big sky country in general. The town itself was beautiful. I came back. I was 17. I'm like, yep, I signed the papers, basically. My mom was like, what? You're going to Montana? And, um, yeah, so I went there. And after the first year, they dropped the program and they dropped the wrestling program, because when they, in NCAA, they'll drop a men's and a women's program together. Uh, They still honored the full ride. I finished my mechanical engineering degree, which was great, because engineering was super difficult for me. I don't think I could have done the gymnastics and the engineering together. I probably could have, but it would have been really hard. Um, So we just volunteered the 15 hours a week that we would have been practicing for the rest of my college, university, until I finished. And then I was an environmental engineer for Kaiser Engineers in CH2M Hill for almost three years at Hanford up in Washington State. And just decided it wasn't for me. So then I went back to gymnastics, and that was probably in 95. And um, just a whole bunch of life events led to the choreography, which I do now. And that's kind of carried through. I like to work with kids. Kids can be more fun than adults for the most part.
2: What do you, what do you like specifically about working with kids?
1: They're just great. I just I I mean for the most part I work with kids that are very disciplined and very they're not in the upper echelon all the time because they'll have all the levels but when I choreograph a floor routine I spend 4 hours with one child. And so in the summertime when I start choreographing like Tuesday when I go home I will do, I'll work with two kids that day, I'll work eight hours. And then sometimes I work with three kids a day, and I'll work 12 hours. And I'll do that basically until November. So there's a lot of discipline with, with them and the creativity that goes along with it makes it, as my grandfather used to say, if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. And I didn't necessarily love the engineering side of it when I was working. And I Knew that pretty quickly, so just stepping out of that and getting back into the gymnastics side and kind of finding my niche in there was great.
2: How, how old are the kids that you work with?
1: They range from mostly eight years old mm-hmm. through college.
2: And wh- what age would you say that they're kind of peaking as gymnastic a- athletes?
1: That's a, could be controversial in the way that if you're looking for a kid that you know wants to make the Olympics mm-hmm. or be an elite. Um, they'll want to be like a level 10, like the upper echelon by like 10 or 11 years old. But then you've got kids that start that early and they're just going to maybe enjoy the sport and learn the life lessons that they need to learn. And it sets them up. I mean, I think of all the things that I've done since I was a gymnast between, you know, ultimate frisbee and snowboarding and rock climbing and mountain bike racing and then the skydiving. And it you it gives you that base to just be... Compe- not just competitive because I am competitive, but it gives you the team spirit. Also, that you know the work that it takes to be good, you have to put the work in. There's no way around that. So talent can only take you to a certain point. And those are the kids I think that are my favorite to work with, or the kids that maybe aren't as talented. I wasn't a- as talented, but I worked really hard.
2: But, but driven, mm-hmm. yeah. Where uh, so d- I think discipline's an obvious thing. Mm-hmm. Teamwork's a pretty obvious thing maybe the importance of uh, athletics and and taking care Mm -hmm. of your body. Are there there any uh, other things that really stand out as skills that, that grow up with these kids that they get from gymnastics?
1: They have better time management skills than the majority of adults I know. They have to squeeze in 20 hours of practice. And then on top of that, they're doing their community service and they're doing their extracurricular activities so that they can get into university now because everything's required it just amazes me what they can squeeze into 24 hours and what their parents, the commitment the parents have to the child is over the top. So it's definitely a team effort on that level. And so when I'm I see what level 10 nationals. Our big national competition was this weekend in Indianapolis. And what what
0: did you do there,
1: by the way? No, that was last week. That was was Western nationals. So that was our level nine nationals. And I did judge that for the first time after 32 years of judging. I was pretty excited. Right on. First time this weekend was level 10 nationals. And that is the entire country, the top kids in the country that are not at our elite level, but at our junior Olympic program. And, I start getting text messages from, hey, I won floor, or I won the all-around, or I competed and qualified to nationals, and I work with clubs all over the country, and it's such a great joy because I then mentor all these young ladies that learn lessons in the gym because they're probably learning more life lessons in the gym, as my mom would say, than they do anywhere else in, in their life. Because it does take a lot. Because we don't want kids to fail anymore. We want to make sure they participate. But in gymnastics, it's not necessarily set up to succeed. There are only three kids on that podium. And that puts for a whole majority (laughs) out there that are going to learn how to deal with the struggles of life. And mm-hmm. it's a great forum to do that because we know as adults how difficult it is when you get older in your 20s and your 30s and your I, 40s. I
2: don't always get a trophy.
1: No. Nope. It's
0: very upsetting. <laughs> you actually are the size of some of the guys on a <laughs> trophy. Oh, <laughs> fuck yourself. <laughs> Thank you, man. So, uh, We get a little brutal. Self-awareness is a skill set, I think, as a society in general that we are lacking some. There's a lot of our friends who if they just paid attention to how they behaved, what they said, they would be much better off for it. Do you think that self-awareness is something that grows strong with these kids?
1: Absolutely, because yeah. it's hard just being a leotard. <laughs>
0: <And> <laughs> first Not of like all, one of my favorite <laughs> things. First of all, Nick's favorite things. You're a gymnast.
1: <laughs> no, it really there are uh, yeah, there you can't you have to really dig deep in gymnastics. That's all there is to it. And it's not just one event. It's it's as as they come up when I'm judging, they present to us, especially at like state and regionals. We get the opportunity sometimes to speak to them. And I, I look at them and I and I'm tell them how important it is that they're there, that they've done the job and they've made the effort and put the work in to get to wherever they qualify for that year. And self-awareness is, it's, it's beyond words. It's the, the people, the kids that I deal with, again, they're not kids, they're ladies that are just blossoming, blossoming, and they are, (laughs) I I just, I just want to just hug them. I just love them so much. So, and we've obviously, as everybody knows, we've went through an incredibly difficult time with USA Gymnastics in the last few years with Dr. Larry Nassar and the entire scandal that went through the world. So I gotta
0: say, I'm clueless.
1: Well, then, yeah, that's
0: in a nutshell. In a nutshell, your favorite words. What what happened there?
1: We've had Olympic coaches that were pedophiles. We've okay. had Olympic coaches that should probably go to jail. We have our national team trainer of 30-plus years in jail for hundreds of women that he molested <sighs> under behind closed doors or sometimes not behind closed doors. So the story behind that, DJ, like if you look into it a little bit, he's in jail, Good. and the entire organization, our president was fired last year. Uh, it's been an incredibly long and difficult road for all of us, but as the people in the sport that are passionate and positive, we will push forward for the survivors that have pushed forward themselves and they have been recognized. And it is definitely a worldwide push, not just bullying, but just the fact that it was allowed to happen just to win gold medals and i can't even it's not even it's a, such a huge tangent that all i know is we've recovered from that my mother is involved with gymnastics my and i am involved with gymnastics and we are going to be positive role models and mentors for those ladies for the rest of their lives so it was a, it was scandalous and it's it's it was embarrassing and shameful but we will push through it and we have good people
0: i think now. it's a pretty obvious. It's, it's a very deep and very touching mm-hmm. topic. And, and I yeah. will kind of move on for you there. But I will say, thankfully, there's people like you who can uplift these other ladies who can lift up even these other fellows who had to deal with it mm-hmm. directly or indirectly. And uh, the world is blessed to have people like you to, to help mm-hmm. those girls out. That self-awareness issue, though, so many people do walk in with a lack of self-awareness, I'm mm-hmm. including some of these young ladies you're working with. What do you tell them? How, how do you help them get get aware? How do you help them see that problem?
1: I don't think you can... Sometimes I think the best way to do that is to lead by example. And I think that's um, in a lot of the arenas in my life. I feel like if there's a change needs to happen, sometimes you're not going to force anyone to change. That's people... That's just not... It's not intrinsically set into their body to change the older they get. Mm -hmm. Um, So... At a young age, if you just show them that there are opportunities and that they can make that happen, but they have to make it happen. Because I do work with, well, I, I think one of the girls last night at dinner, she said, well, I just, I don't have the self-confidence. And I said, it's not, that's not a female thing in skydiving. That's mm-hmm. an everybody thing. When you go and organize a boogie or an event, it's just that last foot that you have to reach in and take the dock is just the confidence level because they're all capable for the most part but they they don't believe that they have that confidence and I, I definitely don't think that was a female thing I just said to her I'm you just don't don't put yourself down like that but that's definitely I think that's where the sports sometimes helps you just like I said that competitive edge yeah I may seem like super friendly and everything but oh I'll get right in there and I'll <laughs> I'll do the best I can to be the best that I can be and then to be part of that successful team And that's what's fun with skydiving is it's, you know, gymnastics isn't necessarily team related until you get to college. Uh, Skydiving is definitely a team sport when you're looking at doing records and those sort of things. It's kind of fun. I like that.
0: A couple of things you said with that answer that stand out to me is, number one, we can't do anything about it to help those people grow. Mm -hmm. You have to make it happen. So if you're somebody out there listening and working and struggling in life, there's nothing anybody in this room can do to help you you must make it happen. A good friend of ours, Hank, and I don't know if you know Hank at the drop zone, Mm -hmm. Hank the tank.
1: Yep, of course. Hank went...
0: M&MX go back quite a while. Oh, yeah, they do. He's an old Lodi boy. Oh, yeah, he is. Hank struggled to find happiness over years, and he struggled and he struggled and he struggled. And I told Hank year after year, bro, you're never going to find it. You're going to make it. Mm -hmm. Happiness is where you make it. The grass is greener where you water it. (laughs) That's the reality of it. And, And so number one the thing you said is is you have to make it in yourself. You have to make that decision. You have to choose to grow, and you have to do it. The other thing that you said that was interesting about that young lady, uh, and and the way I hear it in my brain, is people commonly have an excuse. It's because I'm a girl. It's because I've had this hindrance. It's because this person's holding me back. Ain't none of that true. There's only one person making the difference, and that's you. There's no doubt we can lift each other up. There's no doubt your friends can support you. But no matter how much I lift up Nick, and Nick and I, I mean, it, you're a piece of shit. It's been a huge blessing Agreed. in my life. <laughs> He's been a huge help in my life. But there's definitely been an uplifting of each other. And, and without him, it wouldn't have been as easy for me to solve some problems in my life. But I had to do it myself. I really think that's a big part of that self-awareness. So... Um, <laughs> The it felt t- like we were going to kiss for a second. There. <laughs> We've done that enough in our lives, my friend. We've done that enough.
1: Well, I was going to tell them, in Lodi, there were, no girl ex- there were no excuses in Lodi. If you didn't do what you were going to do, then you just weren't going to fly with the big boys and do all the fun events that they had. There, were, there wasn't, oh, I need to put... Th- I need to do this or do that or I couldn't do yeah. that it, no there were, there were no some excuses. bad
0: ass bitches when I showed up there yeah because you know the time era I was there now mm-hmm. so Carly oh, Ayers yes. is that her name Carly Ayers yeah Ayers. Uh, Stephanie Steph was Saria. there. It, it, there's so
1: many Elena people. Fulvia Elena. who married Bigley that was Robbie Bigley's wife Elena uh,
0: even Erica she, Erica she had her uh, she wasn't necessarily in the big free fly scene but what the, all these women did man mm-hmm. there is no doubt you guys did not Let people stay weak or stay uh, (laughs) feeble, and I think it was back to the the leadership y'all gave. Mm -hmm. I want to be there. If I want to be there, I want to act like that girl. This girl mimic that girl. This gal mimic that gal, and all of a sudden you had this powerhouse of ladies in Lodi, and and it was just unbelievable.
1: Well, then and then you would take that out, like I said, and you would. My first camp was Amy, Sarah Curtis, Melissa Nelson i know. I'm forgetting the godmothers. Somebody, but yeah, those those guys. I mean, those ladies yeah. would just embrace the fact that you were stepping outside of your comfort zone. And the first forty-two way, for example, they're like, "You can do it." And it was. Well, we were. There were two of us, like on the brink of being cut. That first. That first record I was on, and I think it was Steve Curtis, maybe that actually. I only know this because one of the gymnastics judges is one of the skydiving judges, also Jamie Pelosh. She was in the room and she kind of heard the banter, and Steve was like, just let him do it. And put Jesse, I think Jesse Brownlow was like maybe the last one in or something, and she's another just badass yeah, flyer. That's nice, man. And we did the jump that 42 way because people believed in us and believed maybe in our spirit at that point. And I think, I think Steve was the one really that stood up and just said, let them do it, just get her done. And we did it. And from there, it just was like at 380 jumps. I think it's crazy. You know, people talk about jump numbers all the time. And I just feel like again, it's the confidence level. It's not how many jump numbers you have. It's the quality of jumps that you're doing, and the quality. As they were speaking last night at dinner, the quality of jumps that I've always had. I've like maybe over 1,400 jumps. I don't have a lot of jumps, but jumps that I've done in my lifetime have been just always event or big, you know, big life-changing jumps that make a difference because you have to be perfect almost in every single thing if you're going to get all those things accomplished in the jumps that we do. There aren't many, like I have to say, fun jumps sometimes. They're fun, but they're not fun jumps. They always seem to be like organized events or record jumps or camps. Focused. They're just all focused jumps. So yeah. when I get to go play every once in a while, it's like, woo!
2: Do, do you have a favorite skydive that, that stands out in your 1400 jumps?
1: Um, the first time I ever held head down mm-hmm. all the way to the ground... Not to the ground, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I was so excited that I got down. And I think I, I was just solo and got down and I actually like managed to get everything. I'd been working with Chris Reynolds at the tunnel. And I rushed to my phone and I called Chris. And he was at the tunnel, and so he didn't answer. And so I said to the people, I called the tunnel. I said, he needs to call me. It's an emergency. <laughs> Not knowing as a skydiver what that really means. So, of course, he called me like mortified, like, what's the matter? Like, who's dead? And I was like, I held head down on a jump. And he was like, You can never do that to me again. (laughs) I had no idea. I was like, I, I just mortified myself. I was like, I am so sorry. I had no idea. So that was that was one jump that definitely stands out in my mind. And
2: Chris's, I'm sure. Chris's
1: for sure. <laughs> um, when they were doing the 69-way at Skydive Chicago, I was with MX, and every, I wasn't part of the 69-way, obviously, because it was the first few months I'd been jumping. But I brought peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for everybody and fed all the guys. And MX is like, we'll do something special for your hunter's jump. And I said, okay, so I'm going to go. I did the biplane for my hundredth jump Mm -hmm. at skydive Chicago. And then probably the the third jump, I'm going to go out again, more tangents. I was organizing up in Montreal and I was going for my thousandth jump. And because they had just had like the women's belly record or something up there, they had a ton of people up there and a whole bunch of vendors. So I think we did like a, 26-way um, hybrid with, like, all the vendors that were there, all these old-school f- free flyers and belly flyers, and it was amazing. It was probably one of my favorite jumps up there. It was really pretty awesome, besides all the big stuff. I mean, we do so many nice stuff at bigs that it's pretty fun, yeah, too. Yeah,
0: some of those jumps are silly fun. Mm-hmm. I want – you actually – Tangent. You keep apologizing about tangents. That's the show. I know. There's nobody in this room who actually listens to this show, so don't feel bad that you don't listen either. We do, I think I told you when I asked you to be on the show, we hang out and we talk shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever we talk about gets there. <laughs> so you just brought up a topic I had no desire or goal for. 26-way hybrid. I've seen one before. I think you were on the same one or you shot a video. Of it. You weren't around for that. I, I was on an 18-way hybrid, but I think that they did this 26 two, two-plane shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here at Spaceland. So we have a 26-way hybrid here at Spaceland. And I think we have a crew around that might be able to beat that sometime in the near future. Okay. So uh, I would love <laughs> to see the Live Bigs group throw down with the largest hybrid I would love to see somebody find a way if we can get this ratified as a record. I would, I, it would be so dope. To I'll see tell Mikey. You guys do Mikey that.
1: will like that one. He yeah. loves belly flying. So, loves and, and there,
0: it. I think there are enough people, like, especially in a big
2: group that with, mm-hmm. with enough experience, like working as instructors that have yeah. like good belly skills mm-hmm. that we, we can
0: make that happen. I could join that skydive. There you go. I got DJ. the belly skills. <laughs> so I got the, be- I don't, the free fly skills. I would love to say I have. I'd also like to say I have a pile of gold in my office. I don't have either one of those. Um, I want you. We keep bringing up the name Mikey, and I do. Nick, you shared a video. You produced a video at some point that has, to me, was, is one of the more inspirational skydiving speeches I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. What video is that on? It's I think it's 2015. Uh, Live Biggs. If if you look
2: up my Vimeo channel, Justin, mm-hmm. um, just on your socials. On the
0: sh- on the on so- socials. Yeah, on the social. Pull that up, and guys and gals, if you're just listening to this as the podcast goes, go to our Facebook feed, find the link to this video because a inspirational AF. B, something that you've mentioned time and time again today that that I don't think we put the exact words to, but almost everybody in this organization of Live Bigs or in this crew of Live Bigs, almost everybody, and, and you'll see it in Mikey's face, his passion for other people's success is what makes him good at what he does. And when I see him give this speech, I'm like, I want to cry. Oh yeah! I, I, yeah, I, you're, you're like you're choking up. Yeah. And so it's so much respect for all of you guys. Uh, Nick, I think, has known I have this quest for people's success. Mm-hmm. And recently, I think he learned it is a true passion of mine. But also, I know that of of the two gentlemen sitting around me, what's what you got, brother? Which one is it? I, I, go scroll up. I think it's the top left one
2: right there. No, no, no. back down on the left in the middle. What, what does that one say?
0: 2015 Big Ways. That I think that's it. Yeah. Man, so much respect, and I think that's the reason it's such a successful event, and such a, a successful group of people is because. Excuse oh, me, there's my hiccups. No, that, that's not that's not the one. That's not the one. Is y'all's desire oh and passion. Nick's gonna go. We're we're losing Nick now to to video. Is y'all's passion for people's success.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing is, Mikey is so humble and so on the down low that you say Mikey and people think Mikey Carpenter a lot of times. Mm-hmm. They don't even know Mikey Knight yeah. and his incredible skill set because they were just their own little thing in Lodi. And he didn't really venture out. It's not like he goes to world records and and he doesn't have that desire. He has a desire to be in a family situation where he does create that mentor and just love the sport and make sure you understand, like, what it takes. And he, and that's what's so great about him. But he did my AFF. And as soon as he was done with me, though, like, sunglasses on, didn't speak to me. In Lodi. And then I was kind of like, mm, I was just a new kid in town. Mm. And it took a long time for me to, like, warm up to him because he is a man of few words. Yes. He does not say a whole lot. But when he does speak, it is...
0: It's powerful.
1: Definitely powerful. Yeah, I,
2: I we can listen to the to the intro of this uh of this video it. if you want, yeah, please
0: do, and i uh, we don't have audio yet it's <laughs> it's coming up three, two, I'm making up the numbers now, uh, I'll stop with as soon as we start that, hearing him talking. That, that
2: video should have audio on it already. we should be hearing it by now, there we go <laughs> there we go and he Sorry. he had already started talking before i I was like, oh God, I have a camera in my hand, I'm missing this gold running through my fingers.
1: And I always want to be like in Mikey's group and MX's
0: group. When you make it, and you get all the way through it and you're all successful. And we all look around and go, holy shit, we did
1: it. That's why I, I've been doing this 20 years. These are the moments why I still do it. And I'm going to keep doing it. All right? But We need to make it clean. One time, do your job, make it clean, make it dark, present, and just keep focused all the way through the jump. Know your slot, know your job. Right, we open up, great, the other part's bring it in, right, we turn the flower, right, the other guys come around, boom, and just take it calm, don't get overexcited, be composed, and make it happen one time. Seize the moment, make the day, make the jump right now. We're tired, but suck it up and make it happen one time.
0: (laughs) The look on his face during that speech is probably the most inspirational part, but then I love how he takes that energy so high. And as he says, we need to calm down and focus. He doesn't say the words. He is the words, man. <laughs> it, it just That energy, we all just sat here and I even watched you That's breathe awesome, through it. I get the
2: chills yeah. still. And I, I mean, I've listened to him say that a hundred times through just editing that footage. Yeah. And I can't hear it with, without Without getting the
0: chills. And you say, you know, you don't think of him. And and really, for me, I had no clue who he was. Mm -hmm. I went to Lodi. I'm doing an AFF course. I need a video guy. Mikey can cover it. Okay, Mikey Carpenter. Mikey Knight. Okay, cool. (laughs) Who is this guy? Don't worry. He'll be okay. I try to talk to him. He says nothing to me. You know, he says a couple words. He was very polite. He was Mm -hmm. very respectful. But I'm like is this guy mad at me right now? (laughs) Did I do anything wrong? And and Erica's like, he's cool. He's chill. It's just his, I'm like, okay, cool. Cause I just want to make sure I'm, I'm a guest here and I don't want to step on a homeboy's toes. (laughs) And we got out of the plane and he's shooting video of me. I'm like, yeah okay you're good bro (laughs) yeah he he doesn't move an inch of his body but he moves all the way around the sky without flinching i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you dude (laughs) such an amazing and and humble person so very very respectful and and inspired by guys like him Mm -hmm. you guys have something coming up in september
1: again right i actually my goal is to kind of coordinating with the region i'm sorry the um, project 19 they're doing these regional captains so they want us to create flying opportunities for women but it doesn't have to just be a women's event it can be coordinated with an event that we're going to do so i'm looking at coming down to spaceland or again weather related We're, we're kicking around some ideas but once a month September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, and um, giving them the opportunity to come in and, and experience the big's love, but still get the experience of the big way camps. And it's hard sometimes because summer, like we only had 24 people, but we did a lot of work in the plane and a lot of work just talking about whether grips and levels and just, uh, you know, level slot dock, just the basics that you've learned for how many years. And um, so September 28th weekend, we're going to go to Skydive Spaceland Dallas because uh, Stevie Boyd Sr. suggested that we should try to go to another drop zone since they have several and um, that I'm looking at weather and different types of places for the rest of the winter.
0: Have you been to Spaceland Dallas yet?
1: No, but everybody tells me it is amazing. I love
0: Houston. It's Mm -hmm. my home. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we have the most total to offer in Houston. Mm -hmm. The facility in Dallas is off the hook. It's such a wonderful place to be. I, I heard a rumor that they
2: may or may not have a CASA at some point this year. I'm not sure. There is an. I event. think I'm leaking the rumor. I'm <laughs> no, 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 no. like, wow. You, you could ask Ben Nelson about that. No, if there's you an event listing it. on Facebook. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, yeah it's, no, it's public. It's public. Well, I'm not cool anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So it oh, was so there. So you actually bring this. It, it works out perfectly that you say you're doing this in conjunction with Project 19, mm-hmm. because over the last few weeks I keep seeing these pictures of Project 19, and and I forget. I think uh, I. I I had this really hard time. I want to say Missy all the time, Melissa. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've seen this picture picture of Melissa with Project 19, and with all the things she does, I had no clue what it was, and I was just like, okay, cool, Melissa's doing something cool. And then another one of my female friends, Project 19, then another, and then another. (laughs) And again, doing research for the show, I found out what Project 19 is, and I would love if you could share with everybody what it is.
1: Um, Basically, Amy and the crew, their intention is celebrating the 19th Amendment at the 100-year mark, and that will be for next year, and in in cahoots with that, they want to do it with a 100-way for the women, which is a huge goal because the last two records, we were at 63, and then we only increased by two on the last record to 65.
0: So time out for one second. Justin, what is the 19th Amendment? (laughs)
1: Women's right to vote.
0: The right of citizens of the United States to vote
1: (laughs) shall not
2: be denied or abridged
0: by the
1: United (laughs) States by any state
0: or by any state on account of sex. Because I only know what the 19th Amendment is Mm -hmm. because of last night when I finished putting your ad together for today's show. So it is. And then in 2020, about a month prior, I think it's going to be in June-ish is the record attempt.
1: I think July 11th or so.
0: was just one month shy of the 100th year anniversary of women's rights to vote. There you go. Which, I mean, it, it's one of the things I love about what you do is is I don't think Project 19 is something that inspires you. I think Project 19 is inspired like by women like you, by women like Melissa, women who are out there empowering other females, whether it's in skydiving, whether it's in gymnastics, it, it's that. Um, I love that you girls are doing this. Do you know the number you're going for?
1: Yeah, 100. 100? Okay, okay, I missed 100. that. 100, so, yeah, absolutely, 100. 100 for 100. And that's why... Um the last two years, Amy Chemlecki has done a Red Bull event uh, in down in Florida yeah. and that was last January and then this January and this time around she had had talked to us about it and basically said is this something you, you know we, we really need a lot of participation from the women around the world if we're going to have a hundred. Women, Because in reality, you're going to need 125 women that show up at the record to do the job because you need a bench and you know people are going to get sick or they're going to get pregnant or they're going to whatever happens. There are going to be people that can't participate for whatever reason. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge job. And I have to give kudos to Amy because, I mean, if there's one person out there, I know Sarah Curtis is great too, and she's always kind of like in the background, but she does so much. She
0: is an undercover ninja.
1: She is a definite badass because she is always helping and always assisting and always like leading the women in the sport. And she's a huge role model. And Amy, you know, of course, Amy's just Amy. Amy's amazing. I I love Amy (laughs) because she'd probably kill me if I told the story, but it's cute. But the last... Red Bull event. She's like, "Hey, Mama Donna, don't worry about." It. So they ask you like, "Which hand do you want to dock with? Your right hand or your left hand? Do you like to be st- you know, stinger, second stinger, first stinger?" And I'm she's like, "Just I'm always like, whatever." You know, when you go again, in Lodi. <laughs> You better be able to dock with whatever hand you can and do whatever position that you're put into. If you feel more comfortable with something, you better work on something else to get outside of that comfort zone so that you can do everything, right? I don't mind. First singer, pod closer. So she's like, disregard the... The survey. She goes, and, and what size t-shirt do you need? And I'm like, ah, I think I'm going to go for a large. Like These women are like, the women's sizes lately. I mean, you get a large and you can't fit into it. I'm like, large, extra large? She's like, yeah, we get a jersey. She goes, yeah, I think I'm going to get a large too. My boobs are out of control.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Tell me about it. God.
0: I love things. No, tits. really. Tell me about it. I know,
1: right? <laughs> and I have to give her kudos because we did the California state record in 2016. And that was, was it 2017? 2017, 2017. And that was an 80-way. And we had some weather, so they definitely had to cut it down to an 80-way. I know they wanted it to be bigger. But I didn't have a great experience. Um, I did. I had a canopy collision and wrapped with another guy. And it it was definitely we were we were fortunate. He was a great canopy flyer. And so as fast as we came in and wound up, we we basically came apart. And so we didn't make any body contact. Nice. But between that and just some other things in my life and I was just going through a lot of work, I almost stopped skydiving in twenty eighteen. And I have to say, last and that 2018, January, Amy said, hey, can you come down for this women's world record? We want to do this Red Bull thing. It's all in the down low. We're going to do this. We're going to release the footage, you know, for March 8th for International Women's Day. But I want you to come down. And I said, well, I've already committed to judging a competition. I can come down for like two days, but I can't stay the weekend. And then she was like, no, we, we you know, like Red Bull's going to pay for all the stuff. She said, no. And then she called me back later and she says, okay, we want you to come down. And I have to say, she pushed me to come down to do that event. I flew across the country. We had terrible weather. We had a one and done, which has, not, I, I, you, most people can't say they've done a world record in one and done. And we literally went up that morning. We were chasing the sun between Delane and Sebastian. And we went down to Sebastian. We went up that Friday morning and we did it. And we got it done, which was incredible. I flew back to California and, you know, the Red Bull lady said, you know, what could possibly be so important, more important than Red Bull? (laughs) And so when I got to the competition that weekend, I had the 100 or 200 gymnasts all get together on the floor and we took a big picture and I sent it to Amy and, and to Tracy and I said, this is what was a little bit more important than Red Bull because I couldn't miss this with these kids because they're kids. So Amy pulled me in on that account, but I still didn't do a whole lot of jumping I still felt kind of scarred by the situation. I didn't do the world record last year because I turned 50 and we decided to go down to St. Lucia for 10 days. And then Amy asked me back again in 2019. And I, I, again, having faith in bringing me back into the sport because I did step out of it almost completely. And I love this sport, but sometimes you do have these struggles in life and it was a huge struggle. And I feel like I like, get a little bit emotional but the Biggs family they would constantly be sending me messages when are we going to see you guys again why haven't we done a Biggs event rumor has it Biggs is finished and it wasn't finished but MX is working a real job and taking over his dad's company Mikey Knight's having babies Carpenter's having babies and I was just I was just a little burnt out on the sport and Amy was probably one of the number one reasons that kept me in the sport and I am so appreciative now, because as soon as I was done with the Red Bull event this year, I said, "That's it. We're going to put March. We came down here." And then uh, a couple of boogies had asked some skies the limits, bringing me in for Labor Day, weekend to organize. I accepted, which I was not accepting anything last year. And then the region, the whole regional Captain Project 19 thing came about. So it really kick-started me coming back in, which I'm so appreciative, like for the family, because it really was the family dynamics that kept me in because I was, I was burnt. I definitely was burnt on a couple of things in the sport. And, um, it's hard because I come back and I look at dinner last night and we had what, maybe 20 people sitting around the table and it was just the best experience and I was sitting next to two people I don't even know very well Morgan and Ashton and had great conversations with them and on the other side I've got Annie Karen who's like one of my best friends in the whole world and we were just surrounded by a lot of love last night so it's it's been good
0: Amy thank you so much for keeping (laughs) one of the more vibrant personalities in the sport by the way there's a box over there if you do need to choose to want one I I uh you can apologize all you want uh, you have two of the bigger criers I know in my life sitting on this couch <laughs> um I actually watched the season finale of Big Bang Theory last night and uh my like the whole series is the show's over now mm-hmm. and I cried a little bit and I told my <laughs> wife like what robot wouldn't cry to that and she said oh you mean like Nicole I'm no I'm like you she said you didn't <laughs> cry I'm like you didn't see me cry baby so uh, either that or Whitney Houston will get us going. No. I, will, I
2: will cry over a good Whitney Houston <laughs> karaoke. That happens. Uh, dude, I was uh, when I flew to Atlanta. Yes, this, last week before I'm, I'm on the airplane. It's one of my favorite things to do is just be emotionally moved by video. Mm-hmm. I think that that's why I yeah. like making emotional. Video too because it's like I I like the thought of oh I'm gonna do this to somebody else, but uh, I'm just sitting there middle seat <laughs> crying on an airplane like <laughs> should I should I press pause and stop bawling like an insane person in public but no I just kept
0: going soldier homecoming videos look at me every time dude I just feel so <laughs> cleansed after that cry yeah it. it Good emotional cries—they're just healthy, man. I like them. And back to it, Amy. Thank you so much for talking yeah. to this wonderful lady back. I
1: love Amy and
0: keeping <laughs> us keeping our sport because Mama Donna is, is for <laughs> sure an appropriate title. Um, you you just guide and, and nurture people so well. Thanks. Project Nineteen. We want one hundred twenty-five or more women mm-hmm. to be available for this. Obviously, there's a little bit more growth we need to get there because we don't want these women to. Get this web uh, record. We'd love to see him crush it. Mm-hmm. It should be it, to get it one and done, would be the most beautiful thing oh. ever. It really would. <laughs> so, what do these women need to do to prepare, and what can they do to, to really move forward for this?
1: Well, I think she's set um, 38 regional captains around the world in place to help that happen. And I know I've seen several posts. I know Sharon down in Florida has been having events, um, Jeannie. I mean, they're all in place. So you're just kind of grabbing who you can find locally. And if they're willing to travel, that's great too. But you're just giving them the opportunity, um, I do know that they asked me, when Amy asked me, I said, you know, I feel more comfortable with Texas, even though I live in California. I feel like we have a lot of female representation in California and some really great flyers. So, you know, I don't mind doing some things there, but I, you know, I felt like in Texas, if that, if, if I talked to Stevie and Nicole at length, when I did ask them and said, you know, you're going to be seeing a lot of me, is that okay? Hell and, you know, they yeah. were like, they were like, Thumbs up. Okay. let's do it. And, um, yeah, I think that's, it's just really getting the word out and um, making people come out. We had a girl come out from Hawaii, Morgan Tucker. And, you know, she, she had just, she, she had asked me if she could come out. And, you know, of course, everyone gets their opportunity. And she tried to pull herself off the second jump yesterday. And I wouldn't let her. You just switch a slot, come back into the base and, you know, get the basics. But those kind of things, that's what they need. And that's what yeah. she said. The confidence level is you're just not going to all of a sudden sit out. I do that with Nicole sometimes. You know, there's she's got so much talent, and she's so willing and ready to learn that, just the more she's involved, the better on whatever level. And we've all spent our time in the base, right? That's just all there is to it. You maybe you're not good enough to be a first stinger or a pod closer, or but you can still you're never holding anybody up. And that's kind of sometimes when people get down and they're like, Ah, oh, I just I screwed up. Well, you, you didn't screw up because somebody's always gonna learn something on a jump no matter at what level. And if they don't, then they're probably not reaching inside deep enough to figure out what they learned because there's always something to learn. So we we had a great time yesterday, and we were able to jump. The weather, you know.
0: Hit and miss, but we, hit we miss but we
1: got some jumps in, and we definitely had some fun. And we did a lot of dirt diving and talking about jumping and preparing, which is even sometimes more important. Yeah, I think
2: that's a huge thing that VFS helped me with is mm-hmm. walking jumps over and over and having to, um, you know, the ability to connect the dirt dive with what you will actually see when when you fly it and that helps you understand especially when you uh have the skills to to be in both orientations on a a, uh, vertical sequential that it's like oh the whole world's gonna flip upside down right now and everyone's (laughs) gonna be backwards but we're still standing like everything's normal and just the ability to, to imagine those things that you won't really get until you have that that experience but uh God, I had a really good question and you guys just made a good point and blew it totally out of my brain. Um aside from uh, mm-hmm. the the favorite thing that that I have about these events, it gives me an opportunity to practice things that I don't get to do very much. Mm-hmm. Like we don't do two plane shots all all that often. Yeah. You, you're not, you know, getting to really float or dive at a at a decent sized base with other people approaching all that often. Um, how how many of these events are are there between then and now for these girls to practice this sort of stuff
1: around the world? Let's just here. say that
2: I'm a I'm a lovely lady that lives in Texas. How uh, yeah. gender how, fluid?
1: <laughs> I'm, we're gonna do yeah. our best to um, have once a, one a month would mm-hmm. be my goal, but that might take us to Atlanta. It might take us to Mexico Ooh. possibly. Aye, aye, aye. Aye. we used to do. We did a few. Um, events down in Vallarta, which were fabulous, and um, that there was word on the street that we could take one down to there, um, and maybe even back to California. So they have cis boogies too, which, you know, I try to stay involved with, and um, it's just my schedule with the gymnastics, I judge every weekend from usually the end of August until the end of April. And that takes away usually all my weekends. So mm-hmm. if I take a weekend out, I have to I have to do it ahead of time and make plans for it. So we'll see. But yeah, for Texas, I'm I'm hoping to come back.
2: And on.
0: and are there boys? Are boys going to be allowed to boys fly these Boys are allowed. Slides? Okay, good.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I I really <laughs> want that emphasis to be there because for Project 19, it's going to be the ladies. Mm-hmm. But ladies, you don't have to wait to see Donna. You don't have to wait to see these other, other beautiful ladies. You can practice with the fellows out there. And one of our friends you mentioned earlier, Constantine, loves mm-hmm. to organize. Yep. And Constantine, I- I've known him. My wife and I were his instructors when he was 18 years old. So we've watched this kid grow from a jackass kid. And I loved him <laughs> back then. But from a jackass kid to a very giving Skydiver, Absolutely. and that's something that I think only in the last couple of years he's learned to do. Mm. The, but before the last couple of years, I think, he, and he—he's the first one who actually has told me this. I—I felt <laughs> things this way, but recently he's like, "Man, I actually recently understood what I should be doing. The fact that I'm giving and helping others, like I've done that, but I've not understood that's what I'm doing. I've not understood that's my intent, that's my spirit, and I've never appreciated how much it means for others." in Return how much I've actually gained from it, so a a lot of credit to him for his growth. But you can get with guys like this, Matt Fry. Recently met that dude, and Mm. he's such a nice dude,
1: he's fabulous and just so objective and level headed and great to work with.
0: That kind (laughs) of cute,
1: of course, he's (laughs) cute. (laughs)
0: Guys, help little fellas always are. (laughs) Guys, help these girls out. Girls, find these guys. You don't have Mm. to wait for these camps. Use these camps, take Mm. advantage of these camps. No doubt about it. But you can practice. You can train any time. And something you mentioned earlier is is quality skydiving, quality skydiving. And when some people hear quality skydiving, they think that means I have to skydive with Nick Lott and Donna Jean Jones and and all these badasses. Is that
1: what defines a quality skydive? No. Sometimes a quality skydive is you being the organizer's the organizer of other people and putting yourself in a position where you have to think like we think. And then that's teaching you again, just a whole different lesson on what it takes to put everything together. But if you're with, I have some of the best jumps, just some of the boogies you go to where you have Mm -hmm. to organize, you know, there's like 12 guys that want to come out and they just want to sit fly and they want to go and dock on each other. And you're, you're going to always learn something. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. You don't have to be with the best skydivers. It does, I mean, it's great when you can, but if you learn all the basics in the tunnel and you do all your VFS and then you come and you do your own skydives and you figure it all out, that's when you, the forum to come into a big event and and all of a sudden Mikey Knight's like, you're going to be the person to dock here and you need to do your job when you open up and they're going to grab you, so you better do your job. And that's when the pressure... And those pressure situations come from all the practice that you're going to do prior to that. And you can do that in the tunnel. You can do tons of things in the tunnel yeah. that are great. They're just they're fabulous in the flying perspective. But you still have to learn how to exit, and you still have to learn how to break off because, again, the safety part part of that is uh, I can't I can't emphasize that enough when it comes down to newer skydivers. So skydivers. let's
2: just say that we have some intrigued ladies who have been working on their free fly skills that we've now talked into doing a four-way VFS team in the tunnel Mm because they want to see themselves on these Project 19 jumps. What advice do you have for someone who wants to do a a four-way VFS team?
1: It's really gonna it's I think I mean to me it's gonna make or break the situation because there's nothing like flying with someone that's flying shelf on in, in a big way and you're thinking the dirty air just someone's going to come up and they're just all of a sudden they cork out and they don't understand why and then you're in the tunnel and you're di- dealing with people the dirty air of other people and your are verbal and doing this and that and trying to move and you have to just push through it and a lot of times it's not something you're even going to see when you're on a big way you're just docked and then somebody comes behind you (laughs) and it just takes they're like well they took me out Mm. it's going to take a lot to take me out that's all there is to it
2: i actually have seen in a lot of debrief video you getting hit by someone from behind whether it's Mm. you know there's a pod folding up behind you or someone's just had an aggressive approach and i see you Smile and fly right through it.
1: <laughs> it. It takes a lot. Well, I'm not. It's not. not I'm not small either. I'm not a, a small lady <laughs> I mean, by any means. But, but
2: but you're talking about a sport that's predominantly male, right? right yeah. The uh, most guys are still bigger than you, and then the right. sport. And if if you're not getting knocked over, then they shouldn't have a huge excuse, right?
1: I don't. I really feel like that's what the tunnel has done for a long time. You know, just the the hours and hours of time I've spent in the tunnel. And you you sit on a big way, and that is the problem because you're in close quarters with a lot of different people. And the little bridges that they have between the pods, there are some really difficult slots there. And you have to learn, can you fly with your right leg forward? Can you fly with your left leg forward? Can you fly straddle? Can you get into the little niche that they want you to get into? Because I've seen people on records get cut just because they couldn't do a slot. And or they couldn't dock with a hand that was uncomfortable for them. So all those things can be. They're so easy to learn in the tunnel that you can do that through repetition. And like you said, four way is an amazing, amazing form because it has so much, and it has to, it's speed oriented too. You like you want to go, 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 go. And then you've got people out there like you know like even Dusty and Jay and Steph and those guys when they're I mean it's just amazing to watch them. You're never ever like in a you watch big ways with them. It's just like. Fun, right? Because they do so much of that in the tunnel for so many years. It's just a great. If those girls want to be on the record, they can do. It's hard to get the quality skydive Sometimes you want to say like the big quality. If that's what you feel like you need to get the confidence, the confidence will come from VFS for sure in the tunnel.
2: And from someone who's got such a great uh, organizing mind, do you have any tips for making that team work? For keeping that team together? Oh, girls are tough. <laughs> <laughs> are tough.
0: Teams are tough.
1: Teams are tough. And um, I have been on my share of of, of of girls teams, and the dynamics of any team—I don't—I I shouldn't say it's female; it's just tough. But it doesn't have to be a team necessarily either. You can have. It doesn't have to be a competitive team anyway. You can just find people to fly with. It doesn't have to be women. They can fly with three other guys as long as they're in the tunnel getting that experience. And it can be four ways and six ways and eight ways too. Like you can be doing sequential stuff in the tunnel. It's going to teach you the same type of thing. It's just that it's always much more fun to do dynamic and flipping and all those other things. And maybe the four-way VFS doesn't seem as much fun, but it can be really fun. And there are scrambles and little competitions they can get into. And there's competitive, you know, there's competitions around the country. I do know that. It's just dynamic has kind of come in full force. And that is, you know, up front and center for people. And the angle jumps, you know, it's great if you can track and do that, but is it really going to get you on that big way if that's the Mm -hmm. slots you need to hold and you need to hold static for the entire time? And beyond level.
2: It doesn't matter how pretty your snakes are in the tunnel, <laughs> when it comes to holding still and taking a grip, that's a whole different
0: skill yeah, set. Yeah, it
1: is a different skill Sitting set.
0: Sitting still is one of the hardest things to do mm-hmm. in the world, in a chair, in the sky. <laughs> and really, I think a couple conversations come together. We all recently met a new friend this weekend, a gal named Morgan. Mm-hmm. And Morgan, you telling me that you kept her on the second Scott, I haven't talked her into it, is really kind of cool for me to hear because I met her yesterday afternoon Mm -hmm. after that second jump, and she shared with me a little bit of her story. She's looking at becoming an instructor one day, and Mm I just wanted to get to know her better. She's like, yeah, so, you know, jumping in such and such, and and really the biggest thing I've been on is three and four ways. I've never Mm -hmm. been anything bigger, and I almost built my biggest formation today. I said, I mean, you made her day by talking her into it. But I'm positive Morgan's going to go home with this mindset. I can treat this four way as if it was a big way. I can learn to fly. I don't have to have any badass near me to fly my slot, to turn these points, to level slot dock. All of these fundamentals transition from the beginning of of your AFF and coach jumps all the way through to what we're talking about now. So, so practice it in four way. And as you said, it doesn't have to be a team, it can be any four people around, any four people in the sky. Mm -hmm. Practice push and drill. Project 19 to me is, is man, I, I really, I was so lost for the first, well, it's been, I've seen it for two or three weeks, so lost. Yes. And it's so cool now to see and understand what the women are trying to do. How difficult, and we talked earlier, some women will say, I can't do it because I'm a girl or my the girl's a handicap. How difficult do you think it is for women in the sport?
1: I don't, I don't really think it should be difficult. I, I mean, I've always been the minority. And I've always treated it, it's just I love to do it. And when I was a rock climber, the same thing. I was the minority and a snowboarder. There weren't, at the time, in the 80s, mm-hmm. it was mostly skiers and male, especially in Montana. So I guess if you just take the mindset, if it's something you really want to do, and as far as skydiving, I know they have a lot of different, um, they'll have forums out there that, you know, girls will ask, you know, what do you do when you're on a drop zone? you know, if, are you a girl coming into a drop zone? Do you just want a boyfriend? Or do you want to be a skydiver? You know, there, I've always heard that for many many years. And I'm, I'm, I was fortunate I met MX right away, and we've been together in my entire skydiving career. That's fabulous because he's just he's amazing. I love him. But for other women, you know, maybe they do have that maybe it's, I don't want to say chip on the shoulder because it's not, it's just, if you love to do it and people will embrace that, you just have to find the right people to fly with is I think is what's really, really important. I don't, I find there are men, I take Dave Gershfeld, for example, and he had a very slight build and he is, he was when he was really into it up in Lodi, he could do anything. He didn't need weights he didn't need any excuses and he kept up I mean MX is six foot five you know and, and TJ is you know mr. you know dense and <laughs> you know there are some big flyers out there and yeah. Dave Gershfeld could keep up with the rest of them and I don't see that as any different when people talk about some time in their frame or I had some guy tell me one time in the tunnel empirically you need to wear weights I'm like excuse me no I don't need to wear weights just because I'm a girl. So there, there are some things, you know, flying your body is an important skill for sure. But as far as being a female, as long as you're strong, and I think we have such a support system out there right now, you can reach out to a lot of women mm-hmm. that would back you up. And I think every drop zone, every major drop zone obviously has incredible mentors. There are some smaller drop zones, I'm sure, that may be difficult. But um, it is just one of the challenges, and it just makes you stronger, doesn't it, once you work yourself through that and unfortunately if you have to drive to another drop zone I drive three hours if I want to go to a drop zone or I fly across the country <laughs> so it's, it's, a, a, it's a battle sometimes but
0: perfect answer I mm. do a lot of canopy coaching and I hear ladies tell me in canopy coaching I can't do it because I'm a lady you only can't do it because you're a lady because you believe that statement mm. It's that's the only reason I think that statement is true is because you believe it mm. not because it is true so I, I was so happy. I really was expecting and hoping an answer like that came out of you. <laughs> and please, I don't care who you are in the sport, a man, a woman, uh, feeble, big, strong. It's a decision you make. It might take me longer to learn it than it takes Nick to learn it or vice versa. But if I have a will and I, I will have a way, it will happen. It's a decision I got to make. You drive three hours to get to a drop zone. There's something I did notice recently. You're from Clovis. Yes, I lived in Auberry for a while. You know where Auberry is? Mm. You know where that Mono Indian Reservation and casino is? Mm. It's up the hills <laughs> from you guys. It's about okay. an hour. I actually lived okay. up in the uh, uh, the mountains just outside of Clovis,
1: like Shaver direction.
0: Uh, y- sort of. Yes, yes, I okay. think so. I can I'd have to look up the the highway names because, man, aging ourselves at this point, it's been. Over 20 years mm-hmm. since, and I was an adult at that point. So it's been over 20 years. I actually, uh, something Nick knows about me. I used to work in churches. I was an assistant pastor at the Mono Indian Reservation Baptist Church up there. Right. So, oh, uh,
2: I didn't know that you were pa- that you worked at the Indian Reservation. That's yeah, a whole yeah. other level of. Yeah, so complexity
0: I went, to that story. I got out of Bible college. I uh, was seeking my direction, my way, and I said, I actually got kicked out of Bible college and decided that... Uh, Wait
1: a minute. <laughs> yeah.
0: a Bible college, it's really easy to get kicked out of Bible college. Let's be real. Baptist Bible college, you, you look at somebody wrong or you listen to MC Hammer, you're getting in trouble.
2: Is that what you got kicked out? I would be so the, happy if that was really the that story. That is not what I got <laughs> kicked <laughs> out
0: for. They wore hammer pants one I day. But I did get in trouble for listening to MC Hammer. It was her mix a lot, wasn't it? Uh, no, I got in trouble for like somebody heard me blaring mc hammer and reported me and what, i got in trouble what's up uh, what <laughs> too legit to quit oh uh, yeah i guess that's so, right. yeah yeah so if you ever so see you me in the plane you'll see me do it every now and then because so you <laughs> were legit yeah. enough to quit apparently Dude, no i was legit enough <laughs> to get kicked out uh i went to uh the mount uh, uh, an old pastor of mine a church i attended and, and just a, a man to this day that inspires me not because of religion but because of humanity mm-hmm. he is a great human being, such a solid man. And I I watched him face so much adversity and he never blamed on anybody else. Even when somebody else was at fault, he worked hard through it. Larry Gibson is his name. And Larry Gibson was much better at remembering names than me, uh, was the pastor up there. And I thought if I can learn more about me, if I wanted to understand where I needed to be and who I needed to be, he would not lie to me. He would help me see the truth that I needed to see. And he wouldn't blow sunshine up my ass. So I actually went and worked up there as his assistant pastor, and I ran the children's ministries up there. I have a huge passion for kids. I, I do not want kids. I love <laughs> other people's kids. That was clear. You know what I'm saying? I <laughs> was crystal. I love other people's kids. That's about it. Um, Justin, are you having kids? No. Do you expect to? No. Man, we got a room full of people not having kids. <laughs> Non-breeders, baby. Genes <laughs> are going extinct. And, uh, so yeah, that's that was my history. I, I spent time up there for six months, and... Came to peace with my view on religion and God and Christianity, and, and as people who listen to the show know, I still consider myself a Christian, but mm-hmm. organized hypocrisy, Hippocratic religion is hard for me. Mm-hmm. You'll notice I'm not—I try not to be a hypocrite about what I say, and it actually comes from that background. It, it's seen so much hypocrisy in religion that made it hard for me. But Clovis, what a butthole of a city!
1: <laughs> I'm hey, I love my boyfriend. <laughs> it's not so bad.
0: No, it's not. It's not, but it's definitely—it's the middle of nowhere.
1: Yeah, it's getting a little bit, it's not Bakersfield, but oh it's still God. definitely, um, Clovis is nice, I, I actually, which is kind of fun, Mike, because his entire family is from Clovis. It's and a beautiful Fresno. town. Yeah. MX, was, beautiful town. A Beautiful town. He he loves it, but we, I head up the Clovis Community Watch, which is over like 500 homes, so we do like Thanksgiving dinner for the police department every year, and so the community, when you really, it is like, as you get involved with it. It's pretty fun. There's no traffic. It's just I, San Francisco and Los Angeles. It's just, it's brutal. Even Sacramento. Yeah. So if we're going to live in California, we're going to be like an hour and a half away from Yosemite. It's pretty peaceful.
0: And it's that's the best part. Pretty the nice. mountains are right there.
1: It's pretty nice. You drive 20 Lake. minutes. Yes.
0: You're somewhere beautiful.
1: Yes. So, so that's the good part.
0: So <laughs> speaking of driving someplace beautiful, something I really wanted to, to hit on tonight is... What helped me understand your involvement with gymnastics was you recently spent a trip to Africa. Mm -hmm. How often do you go? What's going on there? I mean, it seems to me you have a pretty deep history with some people there. Uh, In
1: 1997, I took my first trip to Namibia, and there was a... USA Gymnastics actually had an organization called Gym Corps that was organized by Becky Reedy, and they would take six Americans and send us over to Africa, three females and three males. And at the time, I'd been married for a couple years, and I wasn't happy, and I needed a break. So it was a three-month, three-month position. So I did take the position. They sent me to Namibia, and I liked it so much that I spent four years basically there. And I would come back for like a month at work. And then I'd take that back. And then I would uh, volunteer for another year. And then in 2001, um, my brother had some issues. And um, I came home for that. And then he committed suicide on July 25th, 2001. And at the time, it's hard to remember back then sometimes because we're so used to social media and having access to people around the world. If you're volunteering you don't have a whole lot of money and so it was hard for me to call my mom or email or those sort of things because you had internet cafes and they were dial-up and it was like forever ago so the communication there was no way I was gonna leave the States after he passed away because it's just me and my mom my dad passed away when I was 18 and so I stayed but in the process of doing that I got into the choreography which allowed me Some of the freedom when he was in and out of psych wards and that sort of thing to help the family. And then when he actually died, I didn't want to leave the country. And so it was a long time before I went back, but I stayed connected. And so I would have sister programs that would work with the African clubs over there. And then when I finally had the opportunity to go back, I I go every year and um, I was going to South Africa some years. I was going to Namibia. Namibia is kind of my home. It's like my, my third family after skydiving. And um, I usually try to go over for a month and volunteer over there. And I do their floor routines and clinics and camps. And, and on top of that, I bring about 300 pounds of donations of grips, leotards, any sort of equipment I can stuff into my bags. And um, then they use that, and they sell it throughout the country or to other clubs, and then they use that money for the foundation kids. And those are the kids, obviously, that can't. You saw mostly probably pictures with the foundation kids. They're fabulous. They're just... I had one, and I, I love her. Her name's Amarencia. And Amarencia at one point, she's 15, and she's one of our foundation kids. I worked with her the last couple years. And her smile in itself is just beautiful but at one point she just looked at me and she said i love you coach (laughs) and i just like talk about melting into the mat you know in america right now you can't say those things to kids because everybody's a safe sport and you've got to be careful about what you say with the kids and you can't hug and you can't touch you can't do their hair you've got all these things that you have all these like these obstacles because they're just protecting the kids which is absolutely what they should be doing but That moment over there, and I took Elena, which is even a better part of the story this year. I took Elena, which is Robbie Bigley's wife, Mm -hmm. with me. And she has no gymnastics background at all, but she loves animals. So we flew over together. Um, I took her the first few days to a crossbow hunting lodge is where we stayed because the families always host us. Well, she doesn't eat meat. And she is completely against hunting and it was it was a definite dynamic because i was in the gym 12 hours a day so she spent a lot of time with julio who does the the dick, dick lodge up in chumeb and um they got on great he showed her why he does what he does and she talked about the anti-poaching and it's, it, was a, it was a really great experience for her, and she stayed two weeks longer after I left at the bush camp down in Vintook and volunteered with the animals. So I did all my gymnastics stuff, and we traveled all over the country. You know, it's like six hours to get to any of the cities there. So it's an incredibly 27-hour flight, basically, on a plane, and then six hours in a car to start the journey. But yeah, we had a great, we had lots of um, lots of stories to tell from that. But the kids, the D'Angina Risser Gymnastics Foundation, they Work with the um, Nadia Comaneci. I know not some people know who she is. Uh, she sh- you should. She scored the first perfect ten in 1976. She was a Romanian gymnast that now lives in Oklahoma. But her and Paul Zert and Bart. Con- she's married to Bart Connor, an uh, American Olympian from the 80s, and they all work together with the Namibians. And so again, it's again just hooking people up and networking and making things happen for people that aren't as fortunate. And um, I, I plan on going every year. I love to go. They're like my family. They're all married and have kids over there now. When I go with the people that I met back in the 90s, the people that I hung out with at the first trips that I went. But yeah, so it's a, it's a great experience and it definitely rounds my life out. I have to say I miss my boyfriend a lot when I travel. So I'm still trying to figure that all out as far as staying home more.
2: I have seen you stocking the house on those uh, cameras that... that uh Connect to your phone.
1: I do miss my dogs a lot. <laughs> I miss MX a lot, but I don't stalk MX on the videos. But I do watch my dogs when I'm when I'm lonely. That's
0: I do. Sweet. I don't <laughs> travel because I, being away from my wife, as mm. my job goes, traveling is a large option, and I I just don't like to. Mm. So first of all, Namibia, Namibia,
1: Namibia,
0: Namibia, yes. Namibia.
1: Yes. Got it.
0: Namibia. Mm-hmm. Ooh,
1: Namibia is where in Africa. It was at one point in history, Southwest Africa. So just one country up from South Africa on the West Coast. Okay. And then in 1990, it gained its independence from South Africa and became Namibia. And English became the national language.
0: Okay. One of my questions is, it seems like these kids speak English. Obviously, why now?
1: They do. Afrikaans is still um, prominent like throughout the country because once you get The younger kids are still learning Afrikaans and English, but they're not. And you have German. You have a great German background there from the 1880s. I think the Germans came in for like 30 years. So you see it's definitely still segregated, still working through a lot of that. But a a vast country, lots of um, not maybe two and a half million people in the entire country. So you have the sand dunes and Atasha National Park and Luteritz where the diamond mines are. So you have this beautiful country with not a whole lot of people and still pretty safe to to visit as as opposed to like South Africa that can be incredibly dangerous.
2: So you, you feel that, that racial tension there of the segregation? Is that something that's...
1: It's not tension. It's just they're working through it. It's still... Um, you And you, you say this, that, you know, people are, what's the difference between a black and a colored and a white and an Afrikaner and a German and an English? They have different schools. And they're just, they're working through it. It took us five or 600 years and we're still dealing with racism. And it's part of the problem. It's a whole other uh, tangent we don't even want to get into. But the whole thing with South Africa, and with apartheid and how it's just, sometimes we, if you push too hard in a country that's not ready for it. Mm-hmm. They don't understand, sometimes Americans will come over and they won't understand why someone has a garden boy or has a maid. But they don't, living there for four years, four straight years, and seeing that that maid had a family, and the family that had the maid took care of her family and included her as part of the family. So not only did it provide her a job, It provided their family opportunities, so they made sure her kids could go to school and get educated. That happens all the time, and the same with the the garden boy. Tommy, for example, we stay at Diona and and Huttman's house. He's started his own little bar. He lives in a shack that is smaller than this room with, like, six people. So Tommy works in their garden, but he comes back to, and I say it's probably three-quarters of the size of this room, but he started, they helped him start his own bar his own little thing his own little entity in this little area this township and on top of that Tommy's he he's saving up for his his kids in gymnastics so he's one of the foundation kids and they provide them the opportunity they have container projects which my, the donations and and we have adopt a gymnast you can adopt a gymnast for 450 dollars. it pays for all their gym fees for the foundation kids for the year And for an American, what's $450? You know, that's a a trip to, you know, it's just a flight that they might not take in a year. So they have these container projects and all these other things that help and give them the opportunity. So yes, it's very segregated, but it's not tense in a lot of ways. I think there is tension in certain manners because there are some unsafe situations, but you can go to New York City and still feel that also. You don't want to sure. be stupid, you know, with leaving things in your car or your house wide open. So, yeah, there's a, there's a the dynamics of it. It's definitely um, it's it's hard to understand sometimes unless you are immersed in it, which I was and it still um so, but it's a great country to visit. When
2: you're in a gymnastics gym, there is the setting at all like what it is here in a, in a gym in the United States? Like, do you feel no. like you're in the same place? The, the reason I ask that question is you can travel around to different drop mm-hmm. zones and you kind of get the feel of it. it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. How different is it from, from the United States gym it's setting?
1: Pretty different. I, I, there are, the last gym I was in was um, so small that they didn't have a vault runway long enough to vault, it was just like in a little type of school building. That you could, because they, they just the owner, the lady that runs it, is from Romania and she's been ill and she couldn't afford the rent at the other place, so she'd moved into this place. And um, America, we're spoiled in America. Our gyms are incredible, especially in the middle of the country where real estate is cheaper. They have these incredibly big gyms that have every amenity in the world for these kids it's it's unbelievable where you go to namibia and they have mattresses for mats and they have benches for balance beams and you know even parts of, like when i went to ireland they packed away the equipment every day in a lot of the gyms that that's an amazing like in a school gym and they put the equipment away and then roll it out every day to practice i mean this that's that's, that's just a different level gymnastics in america is we're we're super spoiled <laughs>
2: Do you have a favorite thing to teach in gymnastics?
1: Um, I, I love the choreography. I love the creative part of that of my life.
2: So I'm going to talk about this more so it becomes a more real thing. So you saw the the Dirty Dancing video that we made starring <laughs> Carlos and I. A thousand percent. OK, so uh, you're a Bruno Mars fan. I am love with a man. You know the, I'll drop the music for video them. for 24 Karat Magic? 100%. So we've discussed remaking that in the same fashion that we remade the uh, Dirty Dancing video. we got the glasses for and, uh, it. And we've got the choreographer, choreographer for, for right here. So Oh, yeah. So, so she we'll might see. be may helping us in the future. Did you know I just want
1: to be a part of it.
2: Right? So you've hey, heard the plan y- before to you got mm-hmm. to teach these boys to dance. All right? got to run the camera.
0: I can't be dancing out there. I'm going to warn you. I am a very receptive student. I am willing to learn. I am not very coordinated, so I'm down to boogie. But man, <laughs> boogie is about the right word. So um, I want to. Okay. We're having auditions. It's going to be very competitive. I want to go back to this 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 African gymnast thing. Um, first of all, there's a program adopted gymnast. Tell me more about this program, please.
1: Uh, the Don Gina Risser Gymnastics Foundation, it's um, it's basically, they run a program where she has been involved with the sport since I've been going, and she was vice president when I think when I first went over, but um, it's just the foundation kids, there's townships out there with all these kids, and you know, most of the time they play soccer, because it's easy, give them a ball and go play a game.
0: A ball in a field, they got yeah. plenty of those. And
1: gymnastics is, it, you know, it's an experience. Now I don't want to say expensive sport because it's all relative, but it's still a sport that a family is going to have to pay for. And if they can barely put food on the table, then they're not going to put their kid in gymnastics. So Don Gina will go and round up. She'll see a kid on the beach. She'll be like, "Hey, and I'm Donna Jean, and this is Don Gina," which is kind of funny. Uh, it took she, me a little bit. She earlier. is like my Namibian mother, Don Gina. So she'll she'll wrangle them up off the beach. If they see them flipping off the the little concrete pillars and the monkey bars and she'll talk to their parents and she'll get funding for these kids and so i so it's good because i communicate with the people here and so last year i think i had four or five americans that um and she's got people around the world because they have those kind of they they network so that they can help the country out so yeah it's just fun it just pays for their fees it gets the kids in the gym and it's just, and the kids are so appreciative. Like last year, two years ago, we did a, a, a like a slumber party at the gym. And I noticed, and I, I really, I'm not being racist, but there are black kids and there are colored kids and there are the Afrikaans kids and the the foundation kids, the black kids. I noticed they didn't have any food for the slumber party. And so I said, do you guys have anything to eat? Because, of course, all of the the German and the, and the Afrikaners, they all had plenty of food for the night. So there was a restaurant in the dome. So I went out and I took, the, there were like five or six of them. And I sat them down and I ordered two of the huge appetizer plates with, you know, like burgers and sliders and chicken wings and baked potatoes. And I thought they would just like devour it. And they all just kind of very politely, they ate a little bit. And they said, you know, Auntie Donna, can we take this back to Omaha? Because what they wanted to do. Of course, they ate what they needed to do, but they were going to take it back to Oma, who would then Christina would distribute it to the families and the township. So instead of being greedy, they were thinking about other people, and I I just thought that was just I mean again to my heart, just thinking how they're raised to share a shack of this size, and they're living in something that has. It doesn't have walls. When I say shack, we're talking shack. We're talking things that don't have a locked door. It's I, it's hard to describe. That's why sometimes I do take videos. I didn't take as many this year because they had me so busy. I was working a lot this year because it was a shorter trip between the two gymnastics competitions. But... It is, um, for Elena, it was eye-opening. It was a great experience for her to see what's out there because she went to several orphanages on top of that, up north and down in um, Vintook. There's just a lot of need, but a lot of appreciation too when you're helping uh, someone in a country like that because they just they wonder why we come to their country and want to live because they're just trying to get out for the opportunity because sometimes those opportunities aren't there for them in their own country.
0: As skydivers go, we're very blessed in America, Mm -hmm. number one, with our country, but number two, with our riches. Mm -hmm. You know, none of us are necessarily rich or loaded, but compared to these young folks growing up in Namibia, Mm -hmm. I worked on that, uh, we are very rich. And for us, just to donate a little bit, just for us to give a little bit, would would mean so much. So at the end of today, I want to write down the information. I want to write down a link where people can go. And if you're listening to this, check out the show notes. We're going to have a link. Let's show these kids some love. Let's share what we have. Um, Nick and Justin, I'm going to throw you down on the spot right now. (laughs) Gravity Lab Radio is going to sponsor one child, no matter how we throw down uh, between the two of us, three of us, or one of us. We're going to (laughs) sponsor one child ourselves for a year. Um, I hope you guys are in. I think. I owe Donna enough just for what she's done yeah. for, for, for us. So. And let, let us share. Uh, you, you, you've shared so much with us. Just e- even the stories you've told today, mm-hmm. the inspiration you've given today, it, it is the least we can do. So folks, mm-hmm. please take it in your heart and, and give just a little bit, just a, 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 a quarter of the love that this lady has given to other people and then and help these kids and, sh- and, and show them what it means and, and help them overcome what, they, what they're at. You're not a product of an, your environment. You're a producer of your environment. Help these children produce the best environment they can. Help them overcome whatever been put in front of them and, and be the best they can. And, and Donna Jean, I think it's just so badass. I, I've loved <laughs> watching your videos. Thanks. I've loved watching the post from there. And then Alana, right?
1: Uh, Elena. Elena, I'm so Elena
0: sorry. Elena, it's okay. Elena, I, uh, a lot of respect the story you tell with, of her there because so many people come into situations very close-minded. I believe this way. This is the way life goes. This is the way life is. And so much respect for her going into there. And I hope we can learn lessons from her about I need to be open-minded and respectful. I don't have to agree with you to <laughs> yeah. respect you. Yes. And it seems like she probably learned more about herself during that trip than she ever could have imagined.
1: Yeah, it was pretty pretty – Elena is such a special person and just going over with her and you know when you travel that far with somebody you have to have a love you know when you know when you love somebody you can travel with them and you can get through It's 27 hours on a plane you know time on the ground squished in a car with every single thing possible for six more hours and she just she had a smile on her face and she was ready she brought so much for those kids in the orphanages and just reaching out to and finding out about Namibia, which was, it's just, I love sharing with her. So I, am excited to speak with her. She just got back just a couple of days ago. So yeah, I haven't even heard all the stories, but I'm pretty excited, pretty excited to catch up with her again. So you would like her. We'll have to get her down here again.
0: You guys bring so many wonderful people down. Absolutely. (laughs) And I, I, think you guys actually did a vehicle trip together at some point there where you had a selfie camera or was that Elena in the car with you?
1: In Africa? Yeah, or?
0: I think it was in Africa. Oh, she
1: definitely, oh yeah, we were on a game drive. The, yeah, yeah, the yeah. gentleman that ran the the lodge, he would take us out in the mornings before I go to the gym at 8. So we'd get up at 6, and then he would drive us around and show us. So she had a GoPro, and uh, yeah, that was kind of funny.
0: Yeah, <laughs> She looked familiar, and I think you said she was around the time I had probably passed She her was lot. definitely
1: I, at the drop zone when you were there. And I sure. was
0: there for seven straight days. Mm-hmm. I, actually, the Saturday, it was a Monday through Sunday course. Mm -hmm. And everybody had done so well. Uh, Greg was one of the other guys.
1: Oh, yeah, from New Zealand?
0: Uh, No, uh, Greg is an American guy who looks a little bit like Hank, who's in Hawaii now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll I'll look up his name later for you. Um, We took that Saturday off because they were doing so well. So I hung out that Saturday, just hung out around the DZ. Actually, uh, Bill showed me all around, which at some point somebody goes like, Bill actually likes you, bro. (laughs) <laughs> um which I'll, I took that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you been fired from Lodi? That was I a was just going to uh, say,
1: I have never been fired from Lodi. Me, me neither.
0: Seven days. That's all That's all I had.
1: I, I've never even worked there, but you can get fired. Someone laughed at that yesterday. Oh, you can get fired without working there for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, MX has never been fired either. Yeah, so. That's good. good. I was people.
0: running an AFF course there and this kid comes up to me because I look like I know what I'm doing as an AFF examiner. <laughs> They're like, hey, you know what you're doing? I just got fired from the drops zone. I don't even work here. I'm like... Okay, I don't quite understand what you mean. He goes, <laughs> I just bought 50 jumps. I just did my second jump. I land across when. Bill walked mm-hmm. up and said, you're fired. Never get my drop zone again. He told me, I told him I bought the tickets. He said, you're fired. Get off my drop zone. And Rob Pooley was standing right there. I'm like, Rob, can you come please help this young man? And Rob told him exactly what to say and what to do. And, and a couple of days later, the guy was jumping there again. So <laughs> it, it, you, you'll you get fired from Lodi.
1: You can come back, yes. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: Actually, I think what went over Bill is we had a tandem land very short, just on this side of the freeway. Mm-hmm. And we were all catching, and I was running my ass off to catch this tandem. And all of these young kids in the standing landing area, and guess who was, stand- who was running next to me stride for stride? Bill. Bill. And Bill and I caught this tandem. And really, I'm not, at this point, I'm, you know, 48 or in thirty-eight, thirty-nine. So I'm not old by any means, but I was probably the oldest guy out there besides Bill. So two old guys are out there running. And as soon as we got done catching, he goes, "Come with me. I got to show you something." And you know how serious he sounds. Oh yeah. And I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and he starts just start showing me around the DZ. I'm like, "Oh, thank God." It scared the shit out of me when he first said it, man.
1: Now, he's scary. You know? I have to say, I have to say, when I did my AFF with Mikey, on my fourth jump, it was Thursday. We went up for the first jump of the day and Bill was the pilot and they had us way south and I came out and I had line twists and by the time I got out of the line twists and I'm a newbie, it's my fourth jump ever mm-hmm. and all you see are the the grapevines. Like all you see, I'm like, where is the drop zone? I had, You couldn't even find it. We were so, probably a mile or two. It was crazy, crazy south. And... Um, I remember just thinking, I gotta get back to the drop zone like newbie, like And so as I'm thinking, as I'm descending and descending and have no canopy skills whatsoever, I'm thinking I'm not gonna make it. And I don't know where I'm gonna land. But in like Europe, grapevines are like these little bushes, right? So from up above, I'm thinking it's not gonna be that bad. And as I get to like further down, I see barbed wire, a straight across, and I'm thinking this is gonna hurt. And at the whole time, obviously, they're watching me at the drop zone, Mikey Knight and MX, who are my AFF and video person. So I hit and I've got Bill's rig on and I hit. And because it was perpendicular, perpendicular, my canopy just must have just like that. And I remember thinking, I just have to like tuck and roll. And so the barbed wire like caught me on the face. My whole leg was bruised, I blood all over Bill's rig.
0: And he keeps clinging. Oh
1: no, and I was, I was just like oh my gosh, and so I'm like wadding everything up, putting it on I start walking through the road to get to the road, and all of a sudden, like, you know, 10 minutes or whatever, Mikey Knight and MX come in the golf cart, and Mikey lo- MX loves telling this story <laughs> but he, he says they're like, stop, are you okay? And I was just I'm just pissed. I just can't, I've got blood everywhere. My face, my leg is killing me. And they're like, stop, you should be dead. And you don't understand. And they're like, are you sure you're okay? So they put me in the car, bring me back. And I was like, Donna, what happened? You know, (laughs) (laughs) like, he's like, gives me like 20 minutes and my leg is bruised from like hip down to my ankle. And he's like, 20 minutes. We're going on another, are you ready to go up? oh, okay, Bill, I guess I'm ready to go up. <laughs> and then the next week, the Russians were there, and a girl landed off in the vineyards. And sure enough, she like punctured lung, had to have plastic surgery on her face, Damn, broke stupid. her leg. And they're like, that's what should have happened to you. And MX is always like, that's when I fell in love with her. <laughs> she was, <laughs> That girl's tough. She got right back up and got on the next jump, and we went up. But Billy, I had no mercy. Just like, are you ready to go again? Mm, I guess so. So, yeah, Bill's definitely a, He's a character. tough old man. Oh, yeah, there was no... Okay. I was the rock hopper because I was a climber. That was my nickname was rock hopper. Rock hopper? Rock hopper. We Go are...
0: Figure. So we're running short, uh, short on time. Okay. First of all, I'm going to tell you it's been two hours. You Thanks. were worried about two I hours. I was like, it happens all the time. But we were talking about strong women in Lodi. So mm-hmm. I want you to share one last story about a strong woman in Lodi who is probably the backbone of that drop zone, Kathy Doss.
1: Absolutely.
0: How much does Kathy mean to that, DZ?
1: She is, yeah, she's gold right there. Um, She's definitely a go-to person when you knew you needed to get something done, and we organized enough events there that you definitely, there was a necessity for sure. And even when I stop in and say hi, she's still got a smile on her face. She follows me on social media. Just an incredible, 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 I mean, just all around. And for what they have to deal with in general, like I can't imagine running a drop zone and with the dynamics of that in California and everything that goes along with the history of Lodi and what people talk about. uh, It's, yeah, she's just, I love Kathy.
0: Very few drop zones have a day that honor any given person. Mm -hmm. And when they do, it's usually because they've passed away. I got so blessed to be there for my AFF course on the weekend that was Kathy Doss Day. So, guys and gals, if you're ever at Lodi, if you ever happen to visit that drop zone, introduce yourself to that wonderful lady. <laughs> also know that you greet Bill in the morning with, how is your morning doing? <clears throat> uh, first time I met him was a day. This mm-hmm. next day I saw him. Good morning, Bill. I know it is. Eric immediately tells me when he walks away. Next time, say, how is your morning, Bill? The next morning he sees me. How is your morning, Bill? I like you. You learn. And he just kept walking. If you meet Bill, he is a nice guy. He is quirky to say the least. If you meet Kathy, you have met one of the nicest, wonderful human beings I've ever met in my life.
1: Yeah, And you don't drop an F-bomb around Bill. No. Ever. You have to be very polite. Even if you're not speaking to him. Just to anyone in general. Absolutely not.
0: Be aware when he's around, and he is a sneaky little Mm effort. I can't even say the word when he's not here. (laughs) That's right. Don't say it. You'll
1: get fired. Right.
0: (laughs) So uh, we are wrapping up. As we wrap up, anything else you want to say, share to our friends, family watching, listening?
1: I just have to say that the one story, a quick story, when I met Stevie. Yeah, have at it. At Paraclete. And, you know, MX had, I don't even know how he got brought into the group because MX had his little, you know, the group of the undercover ninjas and somebody knew Steven. I can't remember that connection, but he showed up and we used to stay at the owner's house. And I was like, this guy is so nice. Like he only had like four hours of tunnel time, but he was hanging with the boys. He was doing his duty there. And he was so polite and so giving in every way i'm like i like this guy he can stay in this group for sure and then maybe a day later they're like do you know who he is like i didn't know he owned a drop zone i didn't know anything about him they're like google him
0: (laughs) multiple gold medals
1: (laughs) multiple information like the information and the videos that it was like are you kidding this guy this guy is amazing. And then I think it was maybe like, maybe the next event. They're like, yeah, you know, he, he Skydive Spaceland." I'm like, wait, that's, he runs that. That was the connection. And that's what brought us like, well, let's just go there then. That's fabulous. Like if we like him so much, but just his heart, there's not, there's a person in gymnastics that's like that. And that's Bart Connor. His, he speaks to you. Like you are the only person on the planet. And Stephen does the same thing. You are in front of him and he is not going to be distracted by a phone call or a text message. He genuinely cares about people and cares about what you want and why you're here and what you're doing as a person. And I can't say enough about that. And that's what is probably the biggest drive for all of us when we first started coming down here and keeps us coming back. So the Skydive Space Line family is unbelievable.
0: He is our leader, no doubt. Mm-hmm. He is, I've known Steven since 05, and he has by far been a huge inspiration to myself. Uh, Nick actually bought him a little present of a bobblehead doll of Steven. And <laughs> not many people know about that. It's really <laughs> good looking. It, it is. <laughs> have you been in Steven's desk and seen this?
1: You. I think you sent me the video or picture. I may have sent a you a picture
0: of yeah. it, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, Nick asked a handful of us close friends to write Stephen a letter. And we all handwrote letters at Nick's request. Um, and quite frankly, it's probably the only handwritten letter I've done it since I was a child. And that's how much Stephen means to all of us. Yeah, and those of you who jump at Spaceland and don't know who Stephen Boyd is, Google Spaceland Anomaly. Find out that you are hanging out with a world champion, one of the best that have ever been and one of the best that will ever be. And I'm talking about human beings yep. as well as skydivers. Agreed. So, Mr. P, what you got?
2: Man, uh, I just want to echo both of those sentiments. Uh, Steven's a great guy. Happy that uh, he brought you into our life and into mm-hmm. the, the Space Lands life. And uh, huge thanks for being here and thanks.
1: sharing your story. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, thank you for being here. What you got, Justin?
2: Oh, it's just, it, it's been great. You know, I, I, I think we briefly met or talked,
0: mm-hmm. but it's, it's been great listening to you and talking and hearing all your experiences and everything. It's great. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thanks Yo, for sharing. Donna, I know you were hesitant coming on the show. I appreciate you <laughs> taking the time. I appreciate you doing it. People always are. We were hesitant the first time we did it. But uh, thank you for coming. Thanks. Look forward to having you back. And please thank keep you. bringing the big screw back to Scott. Oh, don't Place worry. Now. They're
1: waiting. I've, I keep seeing my phone text message like that. They're waiting.
0: <laughs> well, get out. Go have a party. Have a good Thanks. time. Thank you. Guys and gals, we are All taking right. a week off. I got to go take care of some personal business. Mr. P's got some things taken care of. We'll be back when we're back. See you later. Boop. Boop, boop. go
2: Astros.